Everybody on the internet that says I'm not a good dancer. <laughs> no, Hey-o. I thought your hips were great the other day with the pitfall. Hi-oh. Of course you did. You love me. Anyway, Robin, <laughs> uh, we have a lot to cover this morning. Also, the number one selling uh, album is uh, Ed Sheeran's new album. Wow. And Ed's going to come by and do a little number for us. We'll catch up with my man and see what's uh, happening with him. He's on top of the world. You know, I was watching his new documentary, and it's very good. I recommend it, and I'll talk to Ed about it. But Ed's one of those guys like me who always says, people don't, you know, buy this album. I don't care. I don't care. You know, I don't care. But then in the next sentence, he does. He cares. He cares plenty, and he's got to be a happy man that people are accepting his new music. The worst fear for any artist, I would imagine, is I've had all these uh, successful records and albums and and, and then the public one day just isn't interested. So uh, I'm sure he's on cloud nine. Cloud nine. Nine. Well, Not I'm nine. sure it's a happy nine. feeling, Howard, but no. an artist must. Emote. No, Correct, Robin. Right. Well, at, at least. Uh, <laughs> grow. Grow. <laughs> grow and create from their inner self, not from mm-hmm. the outside world. Anyway, I'll be talking to Ed Sheeran later in the program. But uh, meanwhile, I'm waiting here. I'm just sitting and waiting for Trump. He's going to come any second now. He's, you're going to hear a knock well, on the door. Well, he lost a case yesterday. I yeah, was wondering if yeah. we'd hear from him. Yeah, well, I want to get to that. I know he's due to knock on the door any minute. Just, what, just If you don't mind waiting two seconds for him. Well, I just wonder why he's up so early. Oh, he's upset. He's so upset. <laughs> I uh, did a pre-interview. Oh, you and, did? And uh, he was so upset. I don't normally do a pre-interview, but I must say, this time... Oh, I'll make him wait. It's just funny okay. here. He's so used to getting whatever he wants since he's been president, and he right. grew up rich, that it's funny to... Shh, he'll hear us. Oh, he's going to get pissed. I'm telling you. Right now, he's still Okay. Uh-oh, that's when he started. Oh, here we go. <laughs> I don't want him to leave, but I do like hearing him. I, I do like hearing him get humbled. You know what I mean? <laughs> shh, Robin, shh. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. He's like Godzilla. That's right. I think his hand's getting tired. All right, Ooh. he's going to leave. Jesus Mr. Christ, Christ, what are you doing? 
I was in the shower. I didn't you hear know you. No, I'm already aggravated. You're just making it worse. Well, let's dissect what happened. I apologize. I didn't realize you were at the door. Uh, yeah, look, I, I, I don't want to uh, aggravate you, but I'm sure I'm already, uh, the world... I'm already there. I'm already there. All right. The world knows that you were found liable for sexual abuse and defamation. This verdict is a disgrace and a travesty of justice because I didn't win. I didn't win. If I had won, it would have been a great verdict. Would have been now, a great verdict. The legal system has spoken. I don't give a shit what the legal system says. Our legal system is a total mess. What kind of a world do we live in where a poor, non-famous woman can, can accuse a famous, wealthy man of raping her? Which well, let me, <laughs> let me say something. Um, you, The jury has spoken, and they say you sexually assaulted this woman. No, 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 no. If anything, she raped me. It happens all the time, Howard. These horny broads keep, can't, they can't keep their hands off me. They can't keep their hands off me. The, you, by you, the way, you, you keep saying you never met this woman. You keep that saying. Is, you don't know her. That you don't know where true. she came from. That is true. <laughs> all of this is, thank you for coming to my defense. All right? I've never <laughs> met this woman. I've never been to Bergdorf Goodman. I barely spent any time in New York during the 1990s. Howard, I live in Florida. I live in Florida. Uh, 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 listen, uh, they say, you, you know, you said it yourself. You grab women by the pussy. And, well, listen, listen. Honestly, do you think I'd remember if I grabbed her by the pussy in the 1990s? I mean, come on. Do you know how much pussy I've grabbed since then? I've already grabbed three pussies this morning, and it's not even 10 a.m. <laughs> well, they say that uh, you defamed her, so there you go. Five million yeah, bucks. Yeah, you called her name. Okay, they, that's, that's what they say. They yeah. say that's what they you say. defamed her. Look, look, I was just being honest. I'm being fined for being honest. It's not a crime to call a pig an old pig. You know what I'm saying? Oh. Well, I'll tell you this, Mr. President. I know you're upset, but E. Jean Carroll was awarded $5 million. That's it. Well, don't worry. Don't worry. I have a plan. I have a plan, all right? I want all of my loyal fucksticks to give me money at Trump 2024 rape defense.org backslash not my type all right i'll raise that money lickety split lickety all right split. so you call your followers uh fucks loyal fuck sticks I, I you know that's very honest uh yes, see i'm very honest you see that you see that no one defames better than me nobody how does the legal system work when you have to pay out $5 million? Like, what do you do? You just, I, I guess you write her a check or something. No, no, I will not be writing her a check. She will not be getting my signature on anything. When it's time, I'm paying all in pennies. I'm going to back that Trump, <laughs> the truck right up. Trump wins. Trump wins. You, it's going to be you, fantastic. I'm just going to dump it in the street in front of her apartment. Why do you think you lost the case, honestly? <sighs> well, I have to tell you. I blame the judge. I blame the judge. He was very hostile to me. Very hostile. He wanted to file contempt charges against me just because I called him stupid, moronic, and a total loser. Right? Well, These people, they're such snowflakes. They're such snowflakes. And uh, my my attorney, 
Oh, shame on my terrible lawyer, Joe Takapita. Joe Takapita. He looks like an Italian gorilla. Just because of him, none of my attorneys <laughs> are going to be getting paid. None of them. Oh, so you Joe will not Takapitas. pay. You're not sending. You're not Takapitas. Is that your nickname? Takapitas. I'm so pissed at him. Are you got you? So you're not going to pay him, right? You don't pay these guys. No, I'm not no. paying him. I don't pay anybody. And you take no responsibility, right? I mean, zero, uh, right. zero. I zero. I, yes. Listen, listen. This is so simple. It's so simple. I what? thought I was supposed to be judged by a jury of my peers. I saw the jury. Not one of them was a mega wealthy sex god with a walk-on role in Home Alone 2, which everyone knows was the best Home Alone. All right? You know, I the forgot you was... were I forgot you were in Home Alone 2. You that, are a star. I, Listen, yeah. I had the most important role in that film. Do you remember? Do you remember? We were inside my hotel, and I told right. Kelly McCulkin, Kelly McCulkin, which direction to go? Kelly. Keep going the wrong direction. <laughs> Kelly? Is it Kelly? <laughs> Whatever. He was, it was a right. nice kid. It was a nice kid. But, uh, you know, it made Timothy Kane look like a pile of dog shit, that movie. It was a tremendous film. Tremendous yeah, I film. Forgot. I forgot. Home Alone you were in, and there was another movie you were in. I don't even remember. Do you remember you all the movies? a lot of things, yeah. You I was in a lot, lot of things. things. I, was in, I was in a Woody Allen. Well, he's probably not the best person to mention right now, but I was in one of his films. <laughs> uh, Mr. President, um, well, they say you did it. Uh, mm. What can I say? You did it? The jury found. Okay, let's say for the sake of argument, I did do it. So what? So what? All the best presidents did rapes, all right? Thomas Jefferson, supposedly. JFK, maybe. Obama, definitely. Obama? Obama, <laughs> Obama, you know about those guys. You know about those guys. There was even a porn movie with him in it. I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> well, you're a fighter. That's why I, I think the Republicans love you and uh, because they feel no matter what you do or what you get accused of or convicted of, you, uh, you seem to have back. an answer. Yeah, you seem to have I an answer for everything. Back. You seem That's to have right. an answer. Yeah. And I would like Thank to point out, Howard, I still got off on the rape part of the charge. So Trump wins. Trump wins. You feel, you feel this is a victory because you got off on the rape uh, accusation. This is right? a very big victory. This is this is huge. I mean, all the other stuff is just ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Right. I'm I mean, they, they feel you at least put your finger in her pussy. Like the finger went in your fingers. That's, in fact, that's she, like the tip. That's like the tip. You know what they always just the tip, just the tip. You know, I'm that's still illegal. Tip on. That's not well, you right. know, <laughs> I got to tell you, I I, I I thought you would be embarrassed because she was saying she wasn't sure if your penis was in her. She she said it was kind of hard to tell, which is not a great thing when you know. You I were, think that's how they decided they she's, couldn't. Yeah. She's a nasty, nasty woman. She's a nasty woman. That's a Trump handshake, by the way. That's a Trump handshake. So. So you feel you feel uh, this was a big win. Will you celebrate your uh, big win yesterday? I am celebrating. I celebrated yesterday. I rounded up all the hottest broads we have at Mar-a-Lago. I'm sure you've seen the photos. And I'm going to be grabbing their pussies to my favorite song, Hail to the Chief. Hail to the Chief. Are, are you ready? Let, let's go get ahead. the girls together right now. Can we get the girls? Ladies, come over here, please. Ah! please over. There we go. <laughs> See that? <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, she's so good. Wow. Holy cow. She's, oh, she's, like she's wet. She's hot she's for you. She's so wet. I don't know. That's uh, Esmeralda in housekeeping. Oh, there we go. Esmeralda. <laughs> my fingers are Esmeralda, huh? Yeah. <laughs> the last one wasn't worth my finger. She got lucky. She got lucky. Stop screaming. You, you know, I... You're making music with 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 shrieks. That's talent. Isn't that, isn't that great? You. That's very good. I'm very musical. I'm very musical. What do you do? You, you know wait that. for a certain point in the song, and you stick your, your finger inside. Go right of them? in. You just go right in. Okay, you should, it's perfect. You should, it's perfect. You should go I on America's a, America's Got America, Talent. Oh, that's a great idea. It, I'll show you right now. Come over here. Come over here. You, the little one, the little one. And let's see that. So good. So good. I, you know, are I like your pussy out of their vaginas? That's always good too. Uh, is your pussy like wet when you first put your finger in, or is it dry? Not, not all you... of them. The one girl was. The first girl was soaking wet. You know, she must <laughs> like me. She must well, like me. I have to tell you, Mr. President, uh, just with that, you've won Fred's vote. He was against there you. you now go. he's for you. Yeah, Fred loves it. Did he's you? Laughing. Did you rehearse that, or did that just come out spontaneously? <laughs> it came out spontaneously, but I'm like a circus seal. You know what I mean? That's like playing right. the flute. You, know, you hit him, the music comes out. You know, that's, I know women. I can I can play women. You know, would, would you do? Liber- it, I'm the Liberace of vagina. Liberace. Are there any vagina. other uh, women left there that you could do that again? Because it was really good when There's you did the that. There's the two bar. Maids that are stocky. Come over here, sweetie. They're the good-looking ones, by the way. Come on. Come on. Oh, that's great. I'm the Paul McCartney of pussy songs. It's so amazing. You know what I'm thinking? Oh, the one Bill girl was like sandpaper. Holy President God. Trump, you know what I'm thinking? Uh, President yeah. Clinton played the saxophone, but you play the pussy. I play the pussy. I play, and I'm and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of could, it. Oh, that one was you, a squirter in C minor. Wow. What a if I lay, if I yell out a note, can you hit the note? Like hit an A note. Hit an A note. Okay, hold on. Let me get the girls back together. I'm going to go the A note with the little uh, little uh, Mexican housekeeper. Here we go. We ready? Here we go. Go ahead. That's wow. Great. That's great. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. What is your name? Rosario. Rosario. She's nice. Gracias, sweetie. You see that? You see that? Rosario. The Mexican people. <laughs> yes, she's very, very nice. Deep. She's very nice. I, sp- I I speak Spanish. I'm bilateral, so that's a big help. Bilateral. How do you get? How do you <laughs> get? Uh, how do you? How do you get your hand? How do you get your hand in the in the pussy so fat? What are the women well, wearing? I had all the women here wear like the traditional housekeeping skirt. So I just you know. Pull it right up. They call me the Beethoven of Beaver. It's really access. <laughs> Easy access is so important. No well, panties. No panties. Okay. I'm going to try to do them all at once. All at once. Ladies, here we go. One, two, three. <laughs> You're so lucky. You're so lucky you're famous because when I, you're a star, you can do this kind of thing. Yeah. What did I always say? When you're a star, they let you grab them by the pussy. Right. I'm the Tchaikovsky of twat. It's true. Do you think if I played a song, you could get the women to sing by grabbing them by the pussy? Like if I played, um, what's your favorite song, Robin? What song do you like? Well, La Cucaracha. I mean, it wouldn't that be oh, a Oh, that's a great one. I don't one. know if I have that one. I don't know. <laughs> Trump knows it. <laughs> oh, here you go. 
Come on, ladies. We're on the air. You're all going to get a little extra something in your paycheck. Yes. Very good. The Mexican twat dance. I love it. La Cucaracha. All right, well, Mr. President, I'll let you get back to the fun of grabbing by the pussy. This was great. Now I feel so much better. I feel so much better. My hands are soaking wet. I have all these women turned on. Melania's uh, not up yet. This is fantastic. I got to say, you turned sexual assault into an art form. And uh, I think, you know what? You just said it. I've turned it into an art form, and I can sell it probably. Oh, this is the kind of uh, leader. This is the kind of leadership we've missed, uh, honestly. Thank you so much, Mr. President. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Just call me the king of twat. I apologize for not getting to the door fast enough. I was in the shower. I I apologize. That's fine. That's fine. Listen, when you talk to the people at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, could you put my name in for this? I think I should be in there. Let's try a rock song. Let me think of a rock song. Fred, what's a good rock song? Put one up and let Mr. President. Hurry up, because my fingers are getting prudy. I can't believe it. From the pussy? Yeah, it's soaking wet. It's all, all pruned up. <laughs> He's got prune hands from pussy. Prune hands. Thank you. Right. Oh, here you go. Call me Kate Nobush. Come on. <laughs> Hold on. I, I gotta move fast here. I gotta move fast. I gotta go down. Grabbing a tremendous oh, amount of pussy go. right now. There he goes. <laughs> I'm Thank the you, real Mr. master of puppets. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, working God, those like puppets. All right, that, thank you. Uh, looks like you've been slimed on uh, Nickelodeon. All right. Thank you, Mr. Let's... President. Oh, boy. No, there you go. An exclusive. He's continuing Terrific. to play even after the door closes, I think. Fabulous. <laughs> Fabulous. Um, anyway, let me get down to some business. Where was I? You know, what was funny about that uh, verdict was it only took the jury three hours. You know, like they got in the room and they were practically ready to come out as soon as they walked in. Well, you think about it. It's so crazy. He didn't go to testify. They have a a, a, a tape of him saying, I, I grab women. He's admitting, I grab women yeah. by the pussy. Then they, then... They uh, have him in a deposition saying, hey, it's true. You can grab women by the pussy if you're a star. And uh, then he goes, she's not my type. And then says, oh, that's my wife, Marla Maples. I mean, the, the guy was cooked. I mean, that's it. <laughs> I mean, you know, then I uh, and then I saw some guy, some Republican dude saying, this is a travesty. Uh, the jury. Yeah, Marco joke. Rubio. Marco Rubio. Yeah. That. Yeah. And he go, and I'm like, well, wait a second. Look pretty, uh, pretty damning if you look at it. Uh, but anyway, it's over and, uh, it doesn't make a difference anyway. The, the man still goes on. And, uh, the, the, you know what? I thought the bigger news, quite frankly, for me yesterday was that, uh, Robert De Niro's having a baby. The man's 79 years old. I think I, the baby's here. <laughs> they, oh, yeah. That's right. He goes, yeah. He, he, he like, I have a baby. Yeah. You're like what? Seventh child. Yeah, seventy nine years old. What? Very good. <laughs> I owe you know You're I hold good. the I hold De Niro in such high regard because of the fabulous movies that he's done and you know what a tremendous actor. So I always think he's got all his shit together. But all of a sudden, why I, would you I, think I, that? 
Because, I, I, you know, you, you want to believe in your heroes. But, uh, you know, and he's always so quiet and quirky. But 79, man, why at 79? I mean, and I don't care what you tell me. I know people have said to me, don't you know, he's a wealthy man. They probably have a million nannies running around. I said, I don't care if he's got 10 million nannies. Still got to be involved a little bit with that kid. Nobody I mean, knows who the mother is, you know, like, no, uh, he, you know, he doesn't have a declared girlfriend or right. companion or anything. And so we don't know. This is like um, an immaculate conception or something, you know, like this baby came out of nowhere. I, I think more to the point is De Niro's one of those old school guys who, you know, refuses to use a condom. I'm not putting that <laughs> thing on my cock. Listen, I'm yeah. just saying, you don't even declare this woman your partner. And you're having a baby. <laughs> well, he's a, he's, well, he's a recluse and very quiet about his personal life. So, I mean, and, and the guys did remind me that Mick Jagger has a two-year-old. And, and remember Tony Randall, rest in peace, 77 years old, and he had twins. And I think he made it five years. Uh, so he was around for the first five years of the kids' lives, and then he, then he died. I told you about the time I saw him walking with his family. Only yeah. they were like a block ahead. Because <laughs> he, he had trouble keeping up in the woods. Yeah, I mean, had to keep up with the kids. I mean, uh, the other day, my wife and I went for a walk. I don't know. I wasn't feeling up to par. And I said to her, you just walk ahead. I, I don't want to hold you <laughs> back. And I was like, oh, my Tony Randall. I'm walking behind her. She goes, no, I'll wait for you. Yeesh. What can I tell you? And uh, there's a so that kind of blew my mind when I saw De Niro was having a baby. I'm like, man, that takes a set of balls on you. I don't know. You got to have a lot of energy for little kids. You really do. As anyone knows who's got little kids. You know, I mean, I'm because he doesn't even you can't take the grandfather role when you're the dad. You know, who I felt bad for I, I, they're busting his balls in the press. Lionel Richie. I like what? Lionel Richie. Well, he what was over at the, he was at King Charles's coronation and they're printing all these articles that he did a terrible job, that he wasn't good enough at the King Charles coronation. And, but I realize what goes on. The newspapers now, they go on the internet and they find a couple of people complaining. Uh huh. And then they, then they print an article. People, <laughs> some people did not like Lionel Richie's performance. He did, uh, all night long. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, easy like Sunday morning. And he's being blasted for his performance at the coronation. I mean, Ugh. I don't know what they want from the dude. He's 73 years old. Lucky he can get out of bed. Yeah. You know, but, Charles wanted to hear some music he knew. <laughs> did, hey, did you guys tell me that Lionel also made a statement that he hasn't had any plastic surgery? I, I don't, I don't. He yeah, what is up on what is, what's the time frame we're talking about? Where did you uh, where did you read that, Will? So that was an exclusive in the Daily Mail, and he and he said that he's never had it and he will never get it because yeah. it doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. He, hey, maybe he never had it. I mean, but he I looks a little. <laughs> and then he looks tight. damn good, and he looks damn good. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Let me tell you something. I watched some of that coronation, 
And I, Lionel Richie had to be better than that other shit they were playing. All that chamber music and orchestral kind of, uh, you know, those little kids oh, singing. Oh, no, those people didn't get criticized? Yeah. <laughs> they no, were I would, uh, yeah, I, I would much rather watch Lionel <laughs> Richie at half at half speed than, than those <laughs> annoying songs. Oh, yeah, it's like, you know, oh, no. <laughs> Let me see this. Easy like Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I can't tell. I don't know Wee. what's going on there. The mix is terrible. <laughs> cousins. I don't know that that's Lionel's fault. All night long, oh, once you get started, <laughs> all night long, nice, wow, speaking of musicians, Beetlejuice cut a new song, I don't know if you want to hear that, but, uh, I love Beatles music, I love Beatles music, I don't know if he oh, hit a home wait. run with this one, oh yeah? Beatles got a, a long uh, musical career. I, I kind of envy his songwriting talent because he's pretty good. Yesterday, I went in the studio with my band Tuchus. Yeah. I will let you know that exclusively, man. I, I sang so much, my voice was shot uh, for most of the day. I mean, I was like, oh, How God. How long was, did the session last? Uh, probably 20 minutes. That's all it takes. <laughs> I was singing at the top of my fucking lungs. I mean, I was like trying to push my voice like the kids on American Idol, you know, when they tell them to reach for the note. Right. And, uh, I sang a song called, uh, Peloton Girl, which is about, uh, I was thinking maybe I could sell it to Peloton. I don't know. It's a little bit heavy, <laughs> but, uh, I don't know where we're at with it. I don't think we have it ready to debut yet. Yeah. I sang for 20 minutes. The guys clocked it. But man, I was like, you know, Peloton girl. You know, like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Peloton girl. <laughs> uh, Steve and Richard Christie pushed me real hard. Steve Nowicki. And They're both I producing just, you, huh? Well, I like these guys. They go. Hey, let's do it like Beetlejuice. Like, um, just sing a song about Peloton Girl. I go, what do you mean just sing a song about Peloton Girl? Hey. Like, 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 just make it up, like, right now? What am I? Who am I? Ed Sheeran? <laughs> you think I got a little book with lyrics in it? So I started singing. Steve played the guitar. We had a drum track from Richard, and uh, I just started wailing. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I was even saying. I hope those idiots know that uh, to, to edit me somewhat. But I went, I did a couple of verses, I made up a couple of choruses. I, I mean, I did what I had to do, but uh, that's it. Right, Richard? I was wailing. Yeah, well, we wanted to capture your spontaneity, like get that natural dude, energy. That, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> I should have had a couple of lines or something prepared. You guys just take, they go, why don't you sing about Peloton? So like Peloton, like what we had in mind is you sing about Peloton, girl. Sing about I what go, you know. Yeah, but what? I don't know anything about Peloton Girl. I, I mean, I ride the bicycle. <laughs> I mean, with the, barely. Now I'm down you know to like one day a week. You know all about Hannah. 
You talk about Hannah a lot. Hannah Corbin, yeah. She's cute. But, I mean, yeah. I really don't know any. I mean, what am I going to say? Oh, she's so hot. I mean, you know. That's <laughs> so stupid. Like, these guys go, they go, yeah, just sing about the, the Peloton Jen. I go, Peloton what? Jen, she's a 10. I mean, what am I going to do? <laughs> That's a good line. It works with Beetle because Beetle's saying stupid things. I'm an intellectual. And you don't have to even focus on the lyrics like, like, uh, like Paul McCartney wrote scrambled eggs and then it became yesterday. So it's, yeah, but what, you know, but, I, I, but that's Paul McCartney, douchebag. I, what do I know about it? Scrambled eggs will stay scrambled Douche. eggs if he starts yeah. with that. <laughs> All right. Scrambled eggs. <laughs> and these guys think, these guys think I'm John Lennon. Like, just sit down. We're going to play you some music and sing about Peloton girl. I go, first of all, that wouldn't be my ideal topic to sing about. I don't know what would be, but I don't know about Peloton. Girl. Oh, I thought you had a uh, thought of that. That was their inspiration. No, they said you got you sing about Peloton girl. Well, we try to think of things you love and and you know that you can relate to. You don't we know anything Peloton. about me. <laughs> well, we also had you sing about kicking ass too, and because you love in movies when people kick ass, so we're nah, like just sing about kicking somebody's like ass. Anyway, we tried these to do two, a pop song too, but that you know we're we're sticking with rock. We found out uh, yeah. rock is the yeah. he's then, not a pop star. No, I I yelled at them. I go, dude, we're a rock band. You give me some. You know what? I'm gonna. Be, I hate to say this, but I miss Fred. I'm telling you, this is, uh, <laughs> my bands break up. I want Fred back. I'll but, give you a free. Hey. I'll give you a free topic. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine Pussy Fred? Is these awesome. guys. Pussy is the greatest. There's there you go. go. Yeah, there you go. But Howard, anyway. this is why some, like this is why Metallica spends a year in the studio. Yeah, exactly. It takes a while sometimes, you know. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, keep yeah. working on it. Yeah, Howard, uh, I go. How about a track to sing to? How, uh, be, so, it, did you get nothing out of yesterday's? Uh, no, oh, we got a lot. I think oh, we no, got a, a lot, Howard. I'm a talent. I mean, I yeah. I came through, but the boys wanted it. I gave it to them, but it was it was like pulling teeth. It was tough. There it was, was twenty really good stuff there. Yeah, yeah, it was twenty minutes of singing, and we'll get it down to like you know one or two minute songs. So yeah. there was plenty to work with. It's gonna be like that uh, book stuff you do, like the audio yeah, well, books. <laughs> yeah, I told you. I told you it's like um, it's like uh, I was like Beetlejuice, like where they go, hey Beetlejuice, uh, say, say sing something. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, you know, Be Beetlejuice is the greatest whack packer of all time to most people because uh, he's got a tiny head. He's got a big personality. He talks, he's got he it sings. All. <laughs> he's got it all. He's a gifted singer songwriter. And um, uh, one, unlike me, Beetlejuice has released songs in every genre. Uh, he keeps coming back to heavy metal. Uh, in terms of heavy metal, in 2015, you might remember, Robin, that Beatle released the smash single, I'll See You in Hell, which was pretty good. <laughs> and I'll see you in hell. 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 Again. That was good. <laughs> I got to admit. Anyway, you remember that one, that hit song, yeah. and then he did, uh, he, he, unbelievably, he did a song with Leslie West from Mountain, God rest in peace, because uh, this guy, this 
Leslie West was one of the greatest guitar players of all. Beat, he collaborated with them, and they came up with I Don't Know, and I thought that was pretty... That's a better song than I came up with yesterday. So. <laughs> that guitar, I'm not joking. I loved that guitar is amazing in that song. Just well, it's like it's the Leslie. Leslie, I know, like the soul that he gets out of just hitting a guitar note is incredible. Love that man. Oh, but, he's the uh, best. All the Beatles songs too have the word "Beatle" in them too, which is pretty right. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he's very signature. confident. His yeah, his signature. He, lo <laughs> he loves himself. Yeah. I'm Beetle and I don't know. Right. I'm Beetle do and I don't good. know. I look good. <laughs> he sings about what he knows, which is he don't know. Holy. Yeah, like Robin said, he don't know, but he looks good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one's called, uh, it's brand new. You know, so let me present it to you. Leave me alone, you bastard. Which is uh, his new metal song. I think he messed with this one, guys. No offense. Really? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I was going to give it a little more time. Really? Yeah. Okay. Stay away from me, you fucking smart. Leave me alone, you bastards. Leave me alone, you bastards. Get off my dick, you fine bastards. I don't know. I think it's got to bother me, but y'all don't leave me the fuck alone. Y'all got to. Beat Talaga. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta love a song with those lyrics slime bastards in it. <laughs> we were calling him Beat Talaga. Then, then one of the guys called him Judas Beat. And uh, <laughs> what was your name, Richard? Motor Tiny Head. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes. But uh, and then the, 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 the guys uh, said it's like System of a Downs. Of a downs. <laughs> but uh, there you go. Hey, speaking of downs, there is a Down Syndrome Barbie doll. Did you read about this? Down no. Syndrome Bar Barbie doll. And they, they're criticizing it because they feel Down Syndrome Barbie is too hot. That she's too, like she doesn't look Down Syndrome enough. Like she's. Oh, oh, they didn't make her look like what they're talking about. Like I showed Baba Booey the I showed him the actual doll and then he was like, "Oh, hey, she's hot." And I was like, "Well, you know, she has Down syndrome." He goes, "That's ridiculous. She doesn't look like <laughs> Baba Booey. There's nothing different about her. Like she's her. Maybe her eyes she are a little like further Barbie. apart." Yeah, <laughs> Baba Booey. Let me see if I have a picture of Down syndrome Barbie. I've been obsessed with it. Um. Yeah, Benji told me Down syndrome Barbie is hot, and I was like, "Yeah." I think that's what people criticize. Not that she's hot, but she doesn't look like she has any, like, any they're discussing. Kind of yeah. Oh, there she is. I, you know. Uh, Get out of here. <laughs> I don't think she, I would not look at her and go, oh, that's Down syndrome, Barbie. Right. Anyway, I'm giving those out for Christmas to the staff. Oh, wow. Yeah.
I'm pretty sure. They will definitely become collector's items, I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely, (laughs) Robin. What else was I going to talk to you about? I was going to tell you about JD going to the bathroom in Miami, but I'm going to, you know what? Enough with JD. What? The guy. JD has a phobia, and it's not unlike mine. (laughs) And not unlike anybody. Um, the guy said uh, they did an experiment. They try- Wolfie tried to get into Wolfie's nuts. He tried to get into <laughs> JD's bathroom to use his bathroom in his room, and JD wouldn't oh, allow really? him. And I said, I said, Wolfie, I wouldn't let you in my bathroom either in my hotel room. I don't want you shitting in my bathroom. <laughs> I was with you on this, JD. And then the guys were saying JD's got a real problem. Meanwhile, his problem is the same as mine. He's pee shy. So, but he takes it to the extreme, like. He'll go on the internet before he goes to a restaurant to check out the bathrooms and like to <laughs> figure out where. Not, not every yeah. case, but I've done it before, sir. <laughs> yeah, he wants to. What do you want to know if the bathroom is just a single bathroom? It's a single right? person bathroom or if it's a, uh, if it's a whole, you know, like usual. Group kind of situation. Uh, group, yeah, group, group yeah. situation. So. And what's your deal? Like if you have to pee, even if you're in a stall, you have trouble peeing? So, yeah, I mean, sometimes, sure. So, uh, you know. Me too. I, uh, I can't figure it out. I'm I alone in the stall. No one can see my, my fucking pathetic cock. And uh, I, I, know. I still can't pee. I know. I, I stand there around. and nothing happens. I'm trying to talk <laughs> it out of me. Yeah, and, me uh, too. That's what I do. I talk. I go like, hey, man. Like, I do a radio show. I go, yeah, WMBC. You know, like any nonsense. And then, oh, it's like. Uh, yeah, I heard happened. like do it. I heard doing math sometimes in your head. Will yeah. do, that doesn't help. Really? No, <laughs> so, I, I do but, it too. I go JD nine times a... eight is 72. I think, uh, eight <laughs> times eight, 64. I think, you know, like that. Uh, JD does yeah. a stakeout outside of the bathroom. So he times it like when someone goes in and comes out so he can quickly rush in. It's like he's creeping along the bathroom, just if, waiting if, for his opportunity. If, to if I have to really go, uh, and I, and I have a visible eye line on the bathroom. I will, you know. <laughs> Meanwhile, do, do you have this problem? So I would go to a restaurant with my wife and I knew the restaurant and the restaurant has like, a, you know, a bath, a public bathroom, you know, where a lot of mm-hmm. people could go in. And they also have like those individual bathrooms where you can go yourself. Yeah. So I wait till the end of the meal and then we, you know, pay the check. And then I go to the, I say to my wife, hey, before we go, you know, out, I better go to the bathroom. I better pish. And I think to myself, okay, this is going to be great because it's an individual bathroom. No one's coming in with me and it's going to be fine. I go in and I know my wife is standing outside the bathroom waiting for me. And that makes me not able to go. Like if she's waiting, I can't pee. Uh, you have that, I, JD? I don't think so. I I can see I can see where you're coming from though. So like yeah, if if uh if I know someone's uh, yeah yeah okay yeah yeah I get like that. I'm under pressure <laughs> like like oh yeah. she's waiting and now I'm in here forever like pushing and do you ever try to push Does it out? Does it and matter it, if she's yeah. near where you are or standing well, at no. the door? If you hear voice sometimes the restaurant so, what? Sometimes she'll go to the bathroom and the other one and uh and then I know oh god if I'm in here too long. I'm a dude. I should be done real quick because I just have to whip it out and piss. The timing, I yes. I, I, the, the, the anxiety of, 
uh, I'm taking too long. I need to get out of here. Yeah. I'm going to look ridiculous. <laughs> and then you go to yourself, oh, no, we're not going home for a long time, and I didn't pee, and now I'm going to have to pee somewhere else, right? So Do you sometimes go through that? you won't even, won't even yeah. pee. You'll just leave. Right. Oh, yeah. And then I go, oh, we're going to a Nick game, and I'm like, I'm not going to go pee in, at the at Madison Square Garden. I'm going to be uncomfortable the whole time because I couldn't uh-huh. get my pee out. <laughs> Oh, I, I tell you, everything about life is so difficult. <laughs> I should be like, sh- a, if I so, just seem to think if I had like a big, thick cock, I would be like, who cares? I'll just piss right here in a bucket. I don't even give a shit. There's a whole shy bladder center where they have like counselors that they will assign to you to help you it's all get bullshit. over this anxiety. Yeah, how are you going to get over with a cans- counselor? They talk. The only way they're going to get me over it is... you're near people, that's a problem. Yeah. Well, the only way to get me over it is if I get a big, thick dick, if they can do a dick transplant. <laughs> but um, well, yeah, the, yeah, I, I remember my dad would whip it out and piss anywhere. One time when I was a little kid, I was complaining, I have to go to the bathroom, I have to go to the bathroom. And he goes, all right. He takes me into a bathroom. It's one of those. Remember in the old days, they had like a um, like a bathtub in the middle of the bathroom. Oh, a trough, oh, right. yeah, a, trough. a trough. And men and men would stand around, whip out their. And I saw my old man. He just whips out his cock in front of like twenty five other guys in this trough, and he's pissing into this thing. And I'm like, he goes, go ahead. <laughs> and I'm like, how am I going to get out of this one? I, no I, I just said, yeah, I just said, no, I, I remember looking at my dad. I was like a little kid. I go, I don't have to go. He goes, you just, you drove me crazy. <laughs> well, your yeah. dad had been through military service. Yeah. So he probably peed around guys oh, a yeah. million times. Yeah. It was no big deal for him. He'll pee anywhere. He, my dad had a big cock. I saw but he still like, had that group experience of having guys everywhere you looked when he was in yeah. a barracks. I just remember, like, uh, my dad, like, like he, you know, I remember when he died. I was remember, I remember looking at him laying there, and I was like, "What a waste that big cock is!" Like, all he did with it is <laughs> fuck my mother. You know what I mean? Like, you think your mother was the only woman he ever got? I think he fucked her. He must have fucked. He he tried to imply to me that he fucked someone else, but I don't know. My dad wasn't a real looker. This, us Stearns aren't real lookers. You know, there's not a lot of opportunities. But maybe I'm thinking, I have this weird feeling that he might have fucked a few hookers, maybe. Uh, uh, possibly. But that, that I have no evidence of that. My dad yeah. was a straight shooter. My mother goes, one thing about your father... I don't have to worry about him running around. I go, yeah, I know. I've seen him. Um, <laughs> and I've seen you, and I, I get it. Uh, I get it. It wasn't it no a problem. difficult task. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, like, I don't need to put a low jack on him. I know where he is. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Why do you think hookers, though? Why hookers and not just like another girl when he was younger? I don't think he could have. Nah, he, you don't. You, never, you ever see my father? There's no way he had any girls. Even he in the have... service, didn't he go to Europe or something? No, no. He didn't even get out of the country during uh, military service. I told you, my father had a glass eye. They probably oh, didn't right. even want him for the military, but he insisted on going during World War II. He would not sit it out. So you know, but but my dad. I mean, I don't think. I don't think he got a lot of pussy. I don't even think my mother even gave with it up the to uniform, him. he couldn't go to some of those dances Maybe. they used to have, <laughs> and a girl I would just know. say, "Oh, I want to be with a soldier." 
My mother even claims the night she met my dad that my dad was trying to pick up some chick on the subway at this dance he was, that he was going to, and she blew him off and said, fuck you, I'm going to go. He said, you want to go to a dance with me? And she said, no, this girl. So when my dad showed up, he was solo, and that's when they met. Uh, oh. But but I don't know. I don't know if my dad, I don't know what my dad did. But I told you, when I was getting divorced, my dad said to me, what are you doing? Just go to a hooker. <laughs> but my, my mother goes, what did you say? <laughs> well, if he wants sex, he should go to a hooker. My mother goes, a hooker? And I'm like, uh-oh. These two are going to get a divorce. <laughs> well, aren't you glad your dad didn't give you a lot of advice? <laughs> my dad gave me zero advice. Except <laughs> for, like, finance. the only advice he had yeah. for, you know, your problems. Go to a hooker? Jeez. Oh, you want pussy? <laughs> Why don't you go to a hooker? <laughs> what? I was so shocked. I go, well, Dad, I'm, that's kind of not what I'm after. I'm not getting divorced so I can get pussy. I'm, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's other issues. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, he, that was his advice. You never heard of the pocket pussy? <laughs> what? Flashlight. What the are you talking about? Yeah. Flashlight. What is that? Your father's fine. Why don't you go to the booths? <laughs> Some role model. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, I don't know. My dad, you know, listen, my dad didn't want to see me get divorced. He was, you know, he was a fan of, uh, you know, my ex, of But course, I'm just saying, my kids. he didn't seem yeah. to have a lot of knowledge of the world no. to pass on. <laughs> what? No, he was like, why don't you put a watermelon in the microwave and have sexual intercourse? I'm like, what? <laughs> Feels just like a pussy. <laughs> so, uh, I guess my dad boiled everything down to sex. I don't know. I, you know, you know, we just never, t we, my dad and I never talked, but Getting back and to you, it. And you never would sit with your dad and say, Dad, did you, you know, what were you like as a teenager? Did you have a girlfriend? No, I know what it was like. <laughs> I mean, did I ever say, Dad, Dad, why is it you had no friends? <laughs> <laughs> My dad had one friend he used to mention, this guy, Ernie. Uh -huh. I go, Dad, and I go, Dad, like, what happened to your friend Ernie? What do you care? Why are you doing this? Why are you like I was busting his balls? I was just curious. Right. You know? You're interrogating him. <laughs> it's like Ronnie. I go, what happened to Ernie? I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> and my mother would chime in. Why don't you two calm down? I go, I am calm. I just wanted to know about my father's friend Ernie. There was some problem with Ernie. Like really? Yeah, like like my dad had some issue with him. It's Ernie. And there was one picture of this guy, Ernie, his friend. Ernie. Yeah, he was my friend. Oh, you had a friend? Oh, he was a friend, I guess. Oh, really? <laughs> Maybe my dad was on the spectrum. I don't know what the fuck was there. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. You know, I had a friend. Huh? What happened, Ernie? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, how do you not know? Oh, shut up. Dad, you don't know anybody. You don't have any male friends. You know, please. You know, I, could, I, I didn't ask him anything. It would upset him. Yeah. It would upset him.
I didn't want to upset him. He was always upset. Everything I said seemed to annoy him. Yeah, I mean, you know, you do bring up a point. It's like Ronnie and uh, Mike. Uh, yeah, me and Mike, yeah. Mike they, Perlman. As soon yeah. as Mike asks a question, Ronnie blows up. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can't talk to Ronnie. I was at lunch, Perlman asked him if he had security cameras at his house. <laughs> Ronnie goes, what the fuck do you think? Of course. Who you asked me that for? Yeah, I got to tell Ronnie, I don't think I'm going to be able to go to his wedding. Oh boy, he's gonna be. Really, wrong. you thought it through? Yeah, I, and I don't want to. I don't want to. He's all fucking jacked up about me coming to his wedding. Yeah. Now the only famous guy I'll have there is Kurt Busch. You know, Ronnie's hobnobbing now with Kurt Busch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to go. <laughs> you can't go, Robin. You're not letting you go. So. No, I'm, I'm in charge of Robin these days. <laughs> I can't get permission. Is this no. official today? You're telling them you're not going? I guess. I don't know. Oh, no. Are you still going to think about it? Do you, this is not a final decision. Uh, it's pretty final. I, I There's a couple of things going on. and But uh, oh, boy. I don't know. When I saw that dick hole <laughs> productions <laughs> or whatever. Oh, thinking, oh my you know, God. Maybe. Maybe it's not for me. <laughs> that was a bit of a turnoff. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't that. I love Ronnie. I, I do. And I celebrate the fact that he, I've been pushing for him to get married. I felt it was the right thing to do. Stephanie's a young girl. She needs some security. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'll, I'll break the news to him. <laughs> but getting back to being P shy, JD, your problem. I got the same thing. I said to JD, the worst is you go to a bathroom where there's an attendant. Uh, and that would drive me into a fucking tailspin because then the guy's standing there and he's uh, holding a towel waiting for waiting, you, waiting for you. <laughs> oh, and man. I'm like, and like, he, and, and, and you're the, he's the only guy in there and he stands there at the sink waiting for you to pee. All his attention and you're like, focused on you. Judging. <laughs> well, not only that, then I'll go to a stall instead of the urinal because I don't want him looking at me. And then I'll go in the stall and I'm pretending to shit. Now I'm in, now I'm acting. Now, now I'm Robert De Niro. You know, it's like, I'm like putting on a show for some douchebag in the fucking uh -huh. bathroom. Yeah. That is, when they, when they got rid of the, uh, when they got rid of the bathroom attendant, that was the greatest thing ever, but it's of little consequence. I have a real hard time with it. Ronnie, I bet you don't have trouble pissing in a fucking uh, bathroom, right? You don't have that issue. No. You're, yeah. You're pretty free. He's free. Wolfie, you have that he problem? Could, he could pee no, right not, now, Howard. No, not at all. I, <laughs> I, I pee right on my feet. I, I never even thought about it. That's what, when JD was talking about it, I'm like, I can't imagine going through life like that. They just can't pee. It's, 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 it's oh, interesting. It's the worst. No, it's not fun. <laughs> no, it's really weird. You stand there and you know you got to pee and it won't come out. Ralph's got that. Ralph, you got that problem? You got a pretty big cock. I saw your cock. What's your problem? It, really? Dude, you it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's like it's like somebody's sitting there waiting to listen if you pee. It's like, yeah. it, you know, it's just I can't take it. It's horrible. I know. Unless I really, really have to go or if the bathroom's completely empty. Forget yes. it. I thought it was a small penis thing. Like you're just embarrassed. But I guess other guys have it, too. No, now, let me ask you something. Do you guys sure. ever go to the bathroom with a friend? Like, you know, how women sometimes... <clears throat> oh, that's like, the yeah, worst. No. Well, what's good? It's good and it's no, bad. I like, that. I remember one time I went to the bathroom with Ross. Like, Ross and I walked in. 
Uh-huh. And what I try to do is, like, Ross is at the urinal pissing. That guy's got no inhibition. He's just, like, <laughs> it's flowing as soon as he takes his dick out. Yeah. He's yeah. already He's got... going while you're still trying to make a decision. So I- I'll be like, hey, Ross, so what are you doing this weekend? Meanwhile, he just told me. You know, I, I feel like if I have a conversation, it'll kind of relax me and also drown out the sound of my pee. And you won't know what's going <laughs> on. How about, how about when you almost start to pee and then, and then yeah, and then someone, and then yes, lock up. Uh, yeah, somebody interrupts the flow yeah. or, or another person walks into the bathroom. Yeah. The worst like, is fuck. I'm taking up a stall and I'm standing oh. and I'm tall. So people yeah. can see I'm not shitting in there. I'm standing and pissing. And meanwhile, there's a perfectly like 10 urinals there. And then some guy walks in who has to shit and he's like waiting for me to finish. And I'm like, God, please just let the pee come out. Let me do this real quick. And the guy's just standing there and then I zip up defeated and I'm like, I gotta, I, I, I don't know what yeah. I'm gonna do because I'm gonna be out for another hour or two or three or four. And, and I'm, I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm so uncomfortable. I'm squirming. And yeah, then you have the, to go. Then you have to go try again. And then, like, if you're with, yeah, you're like, didn't you just fucking go? I'm like, yeah, oh. what's the problem? And I'll say to my wife, I'll go, honey, I just went to the bathroom, but nothing came out, and I got to go back. And she's like, what kind of man did I marry? Uh, what kind of man is this? The Bladder what Center a- website that I went on said that 20 million Americans suffer from this, and the yeah. anxiety makes you so nervous that your sphincter yeah. muscles tighten up, and they lock up, and you cannot. You know what deep. it is? Think about this. There's 300 million people in the United States, something like that. Yeah. If you think about it, to be one of the 20 million, it seems to me lately, I'm one of the 20 million who's got everything. <laughs> everything. I got every fucking <laughs> disease and problem. I, really, I mean, like, out of 20 million people, I don't have COVID because that I could, you know, that I can prevent by not leaving my house. It's fucking crazy. Everything else, everything else it's like, like, oh. Only 20 million people are afflicted with this terrible problem of not being able to pee in public. And I'm like, well, isn't that wonderful? Uh Believe me, at this point in my life, I have a problem peeing at home. Yesterday, we're doing the show. I got to get back on the air. I'm standing. I got a toilet down here next to the studio. I don't have a urinal. Lately, I don't know what's going. Tell me what's happening here. I pee. I'm aimed right over the bowl. Next thing I know, I'm pissing on the floor. It's going left. <laughs> it's like sideways. Why don't you just sit down and go? That's what I'm going to do from now on. But I don't get all the urine out when I sit I, down. I always sit down. I, I always do? sit down. Yeah. Uh, I, don't want piss, I don't want piss all over the place. It's gross. Yeah, I know. And then I'm wiping. And then I go, listen, I got to get back on the air. I got piss all. I get. I got piss all over the floor. And if Beth sees that, because Beth's always complaining when we have company over, she goes, "What's with men?" My friends, they piss all over the floor, and I go, I don't know. I'm I'm a man, and I don't piss all over the floor. Meanwhile, I piss all over the floor. So <laughs> yesterday, I'm looking down. I'm looking down. I'm looking down on the floor, and I go, what the fuck? I'm going to do? I got to get back on the air. Was there Robin. a lot? It was enough. It, the whole stream went left. It was crazy. It was over the bowl. It was on the floor, and I go, okay. Huh. I don't want to get my hands dirty and do a whole wash up. So I took a tissue. I took a bunch of toilet paper. I threw it down on the floor and I wiped it with my foot. <laughs> then I said, well, how am I going to get now? I got to get the toilet paper onto my shoe and lift it up. with my shoe. Now you're doing tricks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, uh, 
I, I tell you, I'm like feel. Trump playing the pussy. <laughs> I was like sitting there, and then, so I balanced the toilet paper on my foot, and I get it into the bowl, and now I got to clean the side of the bowl. So I took more toilet paper, rubbed it, I, I laid it on there because I, I didn't want to have to do a whole big wash up of my hand. So I accomplished so you're everything. Still using your feet to clean everything? Yeah, I use my entire feet to clean the bathroom. You're like a monkey. <laughs> and I got, and I got the toilet paper up on my shoes. <laughs> See, like Ronnie can't relate to this. Wolfie can't relate to it, but JD knows what I'm talking about. JD, they're, they're, am I right? They just, yeah, I, they just go pee. Yeah, yeah I wish like cavemen. I yeah. I wish I could just go and piss anywhere and do this and do that, but uh, yeah, it's an issue. And uh, do you I have decide. any other phobias? Like, I mean, like others that really? Sure, I, I'm sure I do, but I can't think of what they are right now. Well, JD, uh, you, what do you do? What do you do then? You just have to wait till you like. What if you go and then you can't go, and then how long can you hold it? Like, what happens? I mean, I listen. I'll tell you. The Robin had a dinner or a lunch, God, years ago. I still lived in Brooklyn at the time. It was that everything comes down to Robin, doesn't it? No, no, no. But I'm just, <laughs> Robin making like, your life miserable. No, this right. is a very extreme story. I had to use the bathroom. The restaurant was like, I think in Queens or something somewhere. I forget what it was. It was like a whole. We went on lunch. a ferry to a boat. Is that the yeah, one? yeah, something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why would Robin do that? She was being nice to everyone, and. uh right. I had to piss so bad. I didn't use the restaurant. I had to go from there. I had to take like an hour ride subway home. I was like, I was dying. And I still somehow made it home. Wait, okay. Hey, JD, you want something really to look forward to? Wait till you get older, like around my age. Uh -huh. And you can't hold your piss anymore. It's like you, you, you're peeing every fucking minute. So Great. you gotta, it's a, it's a, it's a real, yeah, it's a real problem. No, Wiki was You're telling me he saw you. You're not going to be able to do this forever. No, Wiki was telling me he was in the bathroom with you, and you were like scrolling on your phone to try to pee. Is that it? Is that another technique you use? Oh, I've, I've done that. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You well, saw that's no a great Wiki. technique. Uh, yeah, well, that got me over. I, I was never able to pee since I was five years old. I went to Yankee Stadium at five years old, and I peed in the urinal with my pants down, and I turned around and. All these old drunk men were pointing at me and laughing, and I think that <laughs> scarred me for life. And I, I could never pee. <laughs> all oh drunk. my god! Yeah. Like, look at him! Look at him! And I was yeah. just so ashamed. This sounds creepy. Danny, you had, you had an incident <laughs> like that. Yeah, I did. Some, had an incident like yeah, that. Yeah, like, I was in the bathroom when I was at the when I was young, and some kids looked over in a stall and started making fun of me and said I had shit on my hands <laughs> when I did not. <laughs> oh, that led to uh, yeah. <laughs> Where were you? I figured you had that. Where yeah. were you? There was like an after school uh, place that we could go while you know while our parents were working, and they came and picked us up after. So, so you went yeah. into can to take a shit. Yeah. And you can trace it back to these kids. What would they looked over the stall and saw you? Yeah, shitting? they were like fucking around and like you know, poor <laughs> you. Exactly popular or whatever, but uh, you weren't popular, really. <laughs> and, and they said you had shit on your fingers. That was yeah, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> probably did. <laughs> probably were a bad. You were probably a bad wiper. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you say? What'd you say? How does the phone help him pee? What are you doing to your phone that helps you pee? It takes your mind off of, you know, yeah. you're trying to focus on anything but your fucking bladder and whatever. So you're yeah, like, I, I'll go in, 
and I'll start talking or talking yeah. to myself, trying to pee. It relaxes your whatever the fucking thing is. Yeah, the sphincter is for your shitting. No, shitting, it's I got the no same problem. muscles yeah, I could do that. for peeing oh, is and it? shitting. Yeah, it's the same muscle. Yeah. You just I guess it relaxes it separately. Yeah. I, I guess it relaxes my sphincter. Isn't it great that the thing that controls your shitting is called a sphincter? It's such a perfect <laughs> word for it. You know, like I've goofed on dudes and called them a sphincter. It's a pretty good word. <laughs> back. Yeah. I'm just feeling bad for weird. JD. JD is that kid in school that everybody waited for him to do something so that they could go crap on him. <laughs> Hey, JD's going to go take a shit. Let's go see if he's got shit on his finger. <laughs> hey, shit fingers. <laughs> you know what's great about JD's story, though? He grew he, he grew up into the fucking superstar he is, so uh, no one goes on now. Yeah. Everything's fine now. Everything's good. All good. Everything's great Things worked out well. <laughs> the character. I have everyone's, I have everyone's respect. The character he, the, the character he created turned him into like Uberman. So, cool. By the way, I didn't mention a JD. You talk about shit. Look, JD, when we were in Miami, I didn't even tell everyone that JD got shit on by a bird. And if that wasn't bad, yeah. And if that wasn't bad enough, then he stepped in dog shit. Oh my goodness, JD. I've seen this step in dog shit at every fucking thing we do. I don't know what it is. And then, I, and then I'm I'm out with uh, Chris and Blit doing something. I wasn't even supposed to be out there. I was helping them out, and I'm carrying releases around. And all of a sudden, on the, I'm walking on the beach. A fucking bird flies over. And shit's all over. You know, releases that's on my shoulder. It's the food Rock. bird. Roddy was like Roddy was like Babe Ruth with this dog shit. He called the shot. He's like JD's gonna step in this dog shit, and uh, like thirty seconds later, JD walks right through. <laughs> Ronnie, how did you know? How did you know? Like he was gonna, like you saw the dog shit, and you said, "I bet you JD's gonna step in it." Yeah, I was walking ahead, and (laughs) I saw the dog shit, and I said, "I said, JD's gonna step in this shit. I guarantee it." Sure enough, (laughs) he walked right in. JD, what is with him? Like, like does he unaware? I mean, those glasses work. Is he like Mr. Magoo? Right in it. I always seem to look, I like, I rarely look up. I'm always looking down, it seems, when I walk. So I don't know how. How'd you miss it? But you never see the shit? I know. So after, so when Ronnie, when JD stepped in the shit, were you like, I knew it? Yeah, I said I knew it, and it because I, I saw him trying to wipe it off onto the ground and shit. Oh, oh, yeah. It was like a mile of him scraping his shoes trying to wipe this shit off. It came off, it came and off. And then by the time we got to the next place, he goes, yeah, it's all gone now, look. And then he lifted up his shoe. It never what, comes off. Like you will never get that smell. Your shoes will always no. smell like shit. There's no my, clean my, it. The shoes don't smell. Oh, trust me, it, it, the shoes don't smell. They're fine. They definitely smell. No, they don't. <laughs> Ronnie right was now, the big does not pile? smell. Did, was it was JD? It, it wasn't, you know, I, no, it looked like it was a small dog, but, it, it, you know, it, but he, it. he, he walked right in it. <laughs> the, the, the story I got, and tell me if I'm right, JD barely cleaned it off. He scraped his foot on the sidewalk and just kept moving like he's there defeated. Was a, first of all, there yeah, was, he was scraping it. It wasn't you know, like a, a whole lot there. It was like, the, 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 you got to get a stick, dude. You got to get a stick what, it and, I know and flick it off. 
I've set the dog shit enough. I know when I need to <laughs> not need to shit. It was able to be scraped off and by and the walking and the grass that we were was in, JD was like was JD like bitching the whole time and like like oh man like was he just like defeated? <laughs> yeah, well, he's just he was just rubbing in on the sidewalk and then on the grass and you know and then finally he was all gone. That's why they keep moving. You know, not he never has luck. Never has JD. luck. JD, that's your invention. You should have a dog shit kit for people. Oh, it's nothing. You don't even know. I, I mean, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to bum the guy out. But but I mean, so after the bird shit on JD, yeah. then he gets locked out of his hotel room and he can't get in to clean it up. So now he's walking around the hotel with bird shit on him. And oh, batteries, my God! <laughs> the batteries went out. My uh, the you know how you have to do a, a key card the thing. Key card. The, yeah. The oh, I had the same thing out. happen. I had the same thing happen. Yeah, but you didn't have bird twice. shit on you, Ron. No, 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 <laughs> no. But I had to take a shit. That was the worst part. Well. Anyway, I don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about JD. We're talking about P shy. Bathrooms, dog shit, everything. Dog shit, everything. Everything. Hey, can I, hey, another thing real quick. Uh, you know, forget that court case yesterday with Trump. He's doing a live town hall on CNN tonight. <laughs> That's going to be good. That's going to be great. It's going to be off the rails. Yeah. Who's conducting it? Uh, uh, Kate, Caitlin, Kate, Kate, Caitlin Collins, Collins or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, she's cute, so, he, so he'll probably say something, like, inappropriate to her. They're going to have a fucking field day with him. Yeah. Town hall, town hall with the, uh, with the president. <laughs> the president. Yeah, Kayla Collins is hot. Jesus. Okay. She's cute. She's not hot. She's cute. Let's see. Put she's up a picture hot. of her. I don't she's watch CNN hot. all that much. I don't watch CNN. What is? Let me see her. I don't this think the girls the new run CNN. They're not going to be partial anymore. They're going to talk to both sides. That's oh, they are. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah and it's always a disaster. It's great. <laughs> Jason, Google image Caitlin Collins and find I, I, all the pictures. I'm Who do you think JD is the hottest female anchor on MSNBC? I I've said. Uh, uh, actually, I did say Katie Turr, but I, I'm flipping my two and one. I think Mika versus, uh, not Mika, um, fuck, Ralph. Who's Stephanie the, Rule. <laughs> Stephanie Rule, yes. There Stephanie you go. Rule. She's pretty hot. Oh, yeah. She's that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, thanks, Ralph. Great talking. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking moron. <laughs> I don't know if that, I don't know if that's true. Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot. I had to hang up on Ralph. He just says dumb shit. <laughs> so I had to hit the dumb button. Yeah. I mean, there's a... There, I, don't want to say that. I tell you, I, I like that on the show, I'm the normal one who has to think things through and I know. The you have button. to be the, the gatekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> an imbecile. Ralph. Idiot. <laughs> Ralph and I have had some good times together, but sometimes he's so fucking weird that, you know... He's too weird for me, and I've, I got a pretty <laughs> tolerance for weird. You know what I mean? Since like inviting a vampire to your house, like <laughs> yeah, and then you can't get rid of him. No, <laughs> he's messing I mean, up your dude, laundry. Dude, when I was single, I go. Hey, Ralph was kind of like my wingman. We go out and everything, and and um, you know, he'd like show up at my house and he go, uh, "Can I use your shower? I, I just want to clean." And, I, and then I'd go, "No." And then he'd go, "Well, then I'm not going with you." And I'm like, "Oh fuck, oh that means I, I don't have 
of a wingman, so you I'd were hostage to his uh, demand. Yeah, can I use your washer dryer? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm like, dude, you have an apartment, don't you? But he has one of those apartments where he has to go like to the laundromat and put. Yeah, know, but he put, has all day, Howard. He doesn't have to wait until he's coming to see you. Oh, yes, he does. Didn't he vomit into your washing machine? He like threw up in it or something like that. So Trump is doing a a town a hall. town hall a town hall with Caitlin Collins. Yep. Hmm. All right. Well, I might have to tune in for that. Oh, it's Trump again. Hey, what's up? Well, I'm very excited. The only reason I'm doing this town hall is the moderator. Lynn Collins, she's so hot. She's CNN's version of Cindy Crawford. You know, they said if I did the town hall, I could sleep with her. So that'll be live next week on CNN. Wow. All right. Well, there you Huge go. Now, I was I was wondering why you were doing CNN. I get it now. Okay, thanks. Oh, totally. You know, she's only 31. You know, I always say 44 and out the door. So she's got a good 13 years of sex out of her with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's great news. And please don't grab her by the pussy. Come on. No, 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 no. I already have a plan. I'm going to jerk off before so I can stay focused. <laughs> Maybe I'll jerk off during, too. I'm going to do anything I want, honestly, because I'll have no control over me. You're so smart, Mr. Trump, to jerk off. Oh. Beat off before you do the CNN town no, hall. So beat you don't off, grab, grab pussies. It'll be just absolutely. You know what they, you know, the, all these MSNBC said that. CNN uh, was uh, horrifically bad judgment having me on, but horrifically bad judgment is my brand. I mean, so I think it's going to be great. <laughs> all right. Well, there you go. All right. Good luck. Don't grab any pussy. You'll get you in big trouble. That's all I'm telling you. But huge ratings. Huge ratings. Huge ratings. Okay. Good luck, buddy. Right, there you go. Wow. Anyway. Hey, Ron. Hmm. Uh, I could see he's oh already bent out of shape. Oh, no. Dude, I got RSVP, no, on the wedding, okay, good. I think. <laughs> good. Saves You're me happy a, about it? Yeah, it saves me a big headache. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, I got hurt. no problem with it. Well. Dude, I knew I you weren't fucking coming, so what the, you know, I know you. I love you, man. I love stepping. Yeah. You know I've been an advocate yeah. of this, too, right. but I'm not going yeah. because I don't want to tell you why, but I have a good reason why. Yeah, I know. Do figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> do. it's his fault anyway. Quite frankly, Ronnie's. Why well, I'm not coming? But anyway, all right, oh, that's it. I'm not coming. Right. Do thank you. Have a good day. <laughs> Have a nice marriage. Bye. I'm all hurt. He just logged off. Oh, he loves you. What Miami. Is, <laughs> I love him too, but I can't go. Do Robin needs me. If you weren't so selfish, Ronnie, with your wedding, <laughs> I have to help her. I have to be on standby. <laughs> I just can't pick up and leave. <laughs> Fucking Ronnie, such a crybaby. You come here and apologize to me for the way you just oh, handled no. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, that's uh, that's unfortunate. I know, I know, I know. People write me. You should go to Ronnie's wedding. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> 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 All 
I want to thank uh, Live Nation, Aerosmith, the four-time Grammy-winning rockers, are planning their farewell tour, Peace Out, featuring special guest, the Black Crows. Peace Out. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Nice lineup. Yeah. Aerosmith and Black Crows. Now, that's a concert. Uh, that's a, that, you know, that's beautiful. I also want to tell you. Great music. Those boys can rock. Both those bands. Yep. Nice double bill. And there's a guy, what, I don't know how old Steven is now, but he can sing. Joe, Joe looks great. The band is rocking. Hey, Hey, now. You know what LaGrange is about? It's such a great song. LaGrange was written about the chicken ranch. That's the brothel. Oh. That, uh, they, that inspired the best little whorehouse in Texas. Yeah. That whorehouse was a rite of passage for some of the local boys, including uh, supposedly Dusty Hill, who first went there when he was 13. Wow. And, what? Yeah. What? He could get in when he was 13? There was no card in, huh? <laughs> Talking about, uh, you know, some hillbilly shit. <laughs> Such a great song. Okay, a good song came out of it, yes. <laughs> Billy Gibbons, when you ask him about this song, he says... Uh, the brilliance of this song is its simplicity because it's got two chords, two verses, no chorus. Think about it. Simple, right? Yep. Yeah. Here's what Dusty Hill said about the poor house. Quote, I went there when I was 13. A lot of boys in Texas, when it's time to be a guy, went there and had it done. Fathers took their sons there. You couldn't cuss in there. You couldn't drink. It had an air of respe respectability. Can you imagine? Thank God my father didn't take me to a whorehouse. <laughs> oh, my God. Miss Edna wouldn't stand for no bullshit. That's the woman that ran the place. And, you know, she didn't look like Dolly Parton either. I'll tell you, she was a mean-looking woman. But oil field workers and senators would both be there. The place had been open for over 100 years. And then this asshole decides he's going to do an expose and close it. And he stirred up so much shit that it had to close. That was Dusty. <laughs> Dusty. <laughs> as far as he yeah. was concerned, it was one of the pillars of society. Yeah, crazy, right? Yeah. Maybe I should go to a whorehouse. I'll write a song about it. That's the problem. <laughs> Isn't House of the Rising Sun about a whorehouse? I don't know. I don't know. know. I don't know nothing. ZZ Top. I love those guys. Who inducted ZZ Top into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Do you know? I'll tell you who. No. Who? Makes sense. Keith Richards. Oh, wow. Makes sense. Howard. Grab your condoms. We are going to LaGrange. <laughs> uh, it's time. It's time you became a man. <laughs> Miss Edna, make sure you she will not stand for any bullshit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there you Let's go. Fuck some to be scary, you know, to be 13 and go into this place 13. with all these grown men and women. Yeah. 
Jeez. <laughs> I had my first real girlfriend at 13. Like a girlfriend, you know, like she admitted to being my girlfriend. And I, we, I think we kissed. I mean, I didn't even touch her titties. I was 13. I was scared, <laughs> I was scared out of my mind. I had read about right. that you could, that you should, it was called light petting. I, I read my dad's marriage manual he had in the house and it said, um, Second base was basically touching a girl's titties, and I was like, hmm, titties. that sounds like something I'd like to be involved in, but I don't know if she'll go for it. But blah, if blah, anything blah. was happening, and everything was over the clothes. It was no under the clothes. Oh, 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 oh under the clothes. I would have, my head would have exploded and other things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you didn't know what you were doing. There was no porn back then. It was more innocent. It was more innocent. Nowadays, Except probably down 30. at LaGrange, man. Well, I'm sure now 13-year-old boys are busy on Pornhub, and they know everything. They know exactly what to do. They're, they're doing a reverse cowgirl, these kids. <laughs> right. You got to get into a new position when you're with them. When I, when I was a boy, you didn't even know what a position was. You didn't even understand it. <laughs> First time I was with a girl, we were going to connect. I didn't know. I was like, do I squat? Do I? What do I do? I mean, now everybody's everyone's sophisticated with the internet. But uh, anyway, let me say hello to uh, Marianne from Brooklyn, my girlfriend. Go ahead, Marianne. My boyfriend, I love you so much, Howard. No. Howard, there's so much going on. First of all, last night I watched on a loop uh, Mike Perlman pushing Ronnie on the swing. I mean, that's Oscar-worthy Miami insane <laughs> stuff. Yeah, Robin. that's a good piece of tape. You haven't seen it that, is. Robin. You need to check uh, no, it out. I saw oh, you it. saw good it? morning, yeah. yeah Robin, awesome. you look beautiful. You look absolutely amazing. I must have Thank watched you. it a hundred times. But wait, Howard... I love you so much, but I really do feel bad that you can't go to Ronnie's wedding. I'm sure you have a very good No, I have reason. a good reason. I, I actually wanted to go to Vegas for a bunch of reasons, mostly because my, my youngest daughter, I've always promised her a trip to Vegas, so I figured I'd schlep her along. She could go have fun with her, you know, her fiance, right, yeah. blah, blah, blah. You know, I had the whole thing worked out, but some stuff uh, came up. And uh, I love Ronnie, and I love... Uh, and yeah. I love Ronnie. I love that he's getting married. I think he's doing the right thing, but uh, th there is something uh, conflicting. Oh, and too bad. I shouldn't have told him on the air. I was going to call him, but I was a coward, so I figured I'd I was thinking oh, that did you? too, Howard. And yeah. I think you owe him a call after the show. Because I Ronnie, will. Ronnie. You've been with him so long. Because you're such a big baby, I'll call you after the show. <laughs> Move things out. <laughs> And I'll tweet you, Ronnie. I'll tweet you DM because you know I love Ronnie. you so much. Dude, I'll call you, you after you the show and tell you what's me. happening. Please don't. Please don't. No, no, call I am. Me. I, I, I got to tell you what's why. going on. No, you I don't. I already know why. No, don't you call don't. Me. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, I do. I do. I'm calling don't call. you. No, don't call You're me. I'm not answering. Just so you know. You won't answer? Oh, yeah. You won't answer my call? Why? You're upset with me. But don't be upset with me. No, I know the reason. It's fine. You really don't. You don't have to call it, no, I do know. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Not? Ronnie. Ronnie, don't forget the good times. Yeah. You know, I'm always yeah, good to you. Don't you forget the good times, okay? That's right. I don't. Yeah. No, you do. That's Are you going to be a fucking baby about times. this? No, I'm not being a fucking baby. I'm being honest, dude. Okay? So why won't you take my call so I can I explain I don't want to hear anything. Because I know what to you're going to say. To you. No, I know what you're going to say. I already know. You don't. So why don't you let me say it? Maybe it make no. me feel good to say I, it. Well, then talk to Listen your shrink to about it. Don't talk dude, to me about dude. it. Talk to your shrink. That's Ronnie. insulting. Now you're insulting me. Now you're insulting me. Yeah. Well, you're insulting me. And look me. at you. 
Your, your, your liver spots are turning red right now. You're Whatever, dude. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'll get over it. Are you going to be a little girl about this? You knew, first me? of all, you're in Vegas. You moved to Vegas. I'm being I didn't a little tell girl? You. Yeah. You didn't tell okay. me. I okay. didn't tell you to move to Vegas. That's a big trip. Okay. I got something going on. Right. You know about it. Yeah, I know about it. And <laughs> I okay. do know about it. No, you don't you don't know all of it. Yeah. Cause of Robin. Sorry, Robin, what? I could use you. Yeah. <laughs> Cause of Robin. That's Robin like, has something going on. Uh, what? <laughs> well, if you're not gonna take my call, then I'll call my new security guy, Bill, who Go will ahead. always take my call. Be, be right. my guest. My best Can friend. I just say something, Ronnie? Howard just told you how much he loves you, how yeah. much he's so proud and happy of you with the wedding. And you damn, you're taking that fucking call, Ronnie. You're going to take that call. Oh, really? Hours. Are you fucking <laughs> yep. kidding me? You don't, you know, yes, you don't you know me very well, Marianne. No, Sorry. he's a pussy. He forgets how good yeah, I've been I'm, to I'm, him. I'm a pussy. Yeah, okay. He yeah. loves you, and he's going to explain to you off the air why he yeah, can't go. Yeah, he doesn't have to. I already know. No, you but don't. He, you really don't. No, I really do. Dude, you're going to have a great wedding. You don't need me there. It's a pain in the ass when I show up. I'm a complainer. I'm going to fucking hate everything. And what do you need that Whatever. for? Fine. I said, All fine. Right. You don't have to call me about it. Right, now apologize to me for making no, me you feel said, bad. You said, I'm not apologizing for anything. You sent me an well, RSVP card. I'm RSVP and I'm telling good. you, I'm not going. Yeah, well, send the fucking card. That's all. You don't have to t explain well, anything. To why me. do I have to send a card? I told you already. Okay, good. Then don't send a card. Yeah. Why do I have to go through the effort? I already marked it down. Card? Don't worry about it. Mark it down. Minus can he call you and just Can I call no, you? I you mean I, I never can call, call you again? I can never I call you again. About, no, I don't want to talk about it. What you want to talk about that, you know. Well, when you need part. something from me, I'm sure you'll call. No, I do. Well, when do I ever bother you? I never fucking bother you. I don't even who, go there. Who, who got right who on it when you? you needed to find a used car? Who got right on it? Yeah, you got me. It. I get me. it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who gave like you the job when you wrote the letter? Who gave you the job when you wrote the original Marianne, letter? The you know, I'm not going to go through you, it. But stay out I of it, like please. No, no, she's that saying the right thing. No, stay out of it. Stay out Don't of it, Don't disrespect Marianne uh, right uh, now. Uh, uh, right. You know, uh, let's not even talk about disrespect. What about friendship? Oh, this guy, he won't, he, he won't. Yeah, really? Yeah, let's what? talk about that. Ronnie. <laughs> what? Ronnie. What? what get a that? grip on yourself. I don't go yeah, to... I, I got haven't a grip. To, Believe me, I got a grip. I haven't gone to friends of mine, you know, real friends. How about your friends are, are who they are, and when they want to talk to you because they can't do what you would like them to do, you take the call. I don't baby. need to take the call because I know already know. But okay? maybe I'd like to talk to you about it. I don't need to hear it. I'd like to talk to you about it. Tell you. Yeah. Or I have just something to, to tell say you. What he really yeah. feels about you, but he can't display it the way you want. Right. He's immature. He's immature. That's right. I am. He's seventy-three and he's immature. That's, That's right. Yeah, when's he gonna, yeah. gonna grow up? <laughs> never. I don't. Never. I got. I lost <laughs> hope for this guy. Never. <laughs> that might be better, dude. I'm gonna call you man to man. I got something to tell you. Yeah, I know what you got to tell me. <sighs> By the way, Steve oh, Nowicki, I'm going to your wedding. No, no problem, pal. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> no, nah, I Taurus VP'd him too. No, and I sent him a check. I'll send you some. How much you want? I don't want your check. Oh, yes, you do. No, I, I just sent Nowicki twenty five hundred fucking dollars. Did you get the check yet, Nowicki? It's a fucking wedding. He had to invite me too. 
I did. did check? Thank you. Yes, I'm sending yeah. you a thank you note. Thank you so much. That was so sweet and generous Shake of down. you. Thank Shake you. Down. <laughs> does, it, does he need to call you too? No. Yeah, call you. <laughs> By the way, no you're calls. a real man. I tell you I can't come. I sent you a check yeah. and you accepted it. Fucking Ronnie's going to lay a trip on me. Anytime. I'm not laying I'm any trips, dude. Yes, you are. You've oh stormed off God. the air. You're acting like a baby. Stop it. Yeah. Before you hang up on me, I got to say this. Ron, you look fabulous. You are yeah. that tape. Be happy you or alive. You so good. Your shirt was fresh. Your skin looks beautiful. You don't have wrinkles. You yeah. just had and the And you got a young wife. Hand. What's your problem? You, you look Cheer up. Yeah, I got should, no problem. He should be happy all so the time. Fun. I'm thrilled. You were so fun on that tape, Ronnie. I'm telling you this. First Ronnie, of all, all right, Marianne, enough. Steve can't take it. She's she filibusters. Hey, uh, Steve, and your wedding's in the New York area, and I ain't going. And I like you a lot. Steve's a good man. He's in my band and everything. Ronnie's halfway across the fucking universe out in Vegas, and I got some shit going on. And he, he, instead of That's saying to me, acceptable. hey, Howard. That is not acceptable. Yeah, to Ronnie, it's not acceptable. I should just, <laughs> Dude, I should oh, just drop it. You said everything. you're not coming. Don't make it, so don't make a thing yeah, in. Yeah, but That's you're all. being a bitch about it. You know you're being I'm a little bitch. I'm not being a bitch. No, I'm you're not being, being a, a little bitch. bitch. Now, apologize. No, I'm not <laughs> apologizing. There's nothing to apologize for. Shorter is. The way you're acting right now. Uh, I, I'm acting fine. You're acting like I'm marrying I said, don't, you. I said, I'm not marrying you. I didn't marry you. Okay, good. I have shit going on that day. What day is it again? I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. You probably don't. You don't even want to go to the wedding. Right? Why are you making me go? That's the only reason he was showing up. You were coming. <laughs> he was all excited. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think Bubba will probably back out now. Bubba wanted to see me. Uh... Yeah. Now, Bubba will go. Bubba's a good man. Bubba's my, Bubba's my man. I would have liked to have seen Bubba. I'll, I'll give you that. But I do have this. Uh, I will call. I'll I, send you a picture. This, I'll, uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'll call you after the show. And please pick up. Thank you. I can't have my shrink appointment. Do you really? Yes, I do. It's Wednesday. Oh, okay, good. I think you need it. I think you well, need a double Well, maybe you'll session. be better yeah. after that and Howard can talk to you. First of all. I'm the guy who got him to get married in the first place. He fought it for years. And I said, Ronnie, you got to do the right thing. You're an older dude. You got a young girlfriend. She's hot. You got to step up. Who said that to you in the car 50 million times? Me. Because I'm oh, the only one out of these. he can't even answer. No, he won't even answer. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to remember who helped him. I remember. Believe me, I remember. Mm. Who even proposed for you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm the guy who proposed. <laughs> Your miserable proposal was so bad. <laughs> I fucking saved the day. Hey, open up that box, you shit. The fucking hat. Yeah, get the fucking, <laughs> fucking hat. First of all, I gave you a life. I'm the reason you even met Stephanie. Stop it. You got a lot of good out of me. Meeting me was the best thing ever happened to you. You won't even be in Vegas now. You'll still be driving that Fakakta limo for the fucking Today Show. I'm doing proms. And you just fucking knock it off and you you come up with a nice good apology and you call me and say, Howard, I'm sorry I made you feel bad. That's all. 
Okay. You, you can go work on that. You wait for that. <laughs> oof. Oof. Here's Ronnie's proposal to his wife, in case anyone forgets. <laughs> I want to, uh, where the hell is it? Oh, here it is. Open up my closet in the office room. And get in there. Right like next to the cock ring box. Shh. Let Ronnie take over. <laughs> All right. Uh, you see my hat up there? Yeah, don't knock the over the dead on body. Top, it's on top of the two. It's on top of the on pair of your shoes. On, on top of the pair of sneakers. The derby hat yeah. we bought. Okay. The derby yeah. hat. My derby hat. Take out the box that's in the right sneaker. And it says Steven Singer on it. Uh oh. Open up the box. Is that what I think it is? No, what the fuck? What is it? What do you think it is? Ay, ay, ay. Who stepped in and saved the day? Me. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, well, you're getting married. <laughs> I love romance. All right. Well, all right, Ronnie. I'll call you later. If you take the call, I'd be honored. But if you don't, I understand. You don't want to gotcha. answer my call. You don't know. I'm going to call once. Pick up or don't. Got you. You All guys right. are great with so many ultimatums. I'll call once. I won't pick up. Well, I mean, I'm, I mean I'm, what am I supposed <laughs> to be? Call, call 500 times, Robin. What am I supposed <laughs> yes, to do? if that's what it takes. All right. I'll call him 500 fucking times. <laughs> or annoy the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> I call under protest, believe me. Ron, we're still friends, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Just don't tell. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are the best friends. <laughs> I'll send you a nice check. How much you want? I don't want any check. Come on. No, Wiki got 2500 out of me. I don't, want, I don't well. want a check. I don't want a check. What's an appropriate amount for Ronnie? I, I mean, I don't know. Well, Steve, what do I got to give him? I don't know. Twenty five. I never would have expected that. I, like I said, I give like two hundred dollars at a wedding. So I'm not. I know. I'm not the well, person. Because that's me and everybody talks about what I give. And same like with Ronnie's wedding. All of a sudden, look, the only thing that matters is whether I'm there. If the bride didn't show up, he wouldn't care as long as I'm there. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> oh, come on. Look at how you're carrying on. Acting like a fucking idiot. Twenty five hundred and one dollars. First of all, that was your first marriage. This is Ronnie's second marriage. I give less for the second marriage. Well, you weren't at the first marriage. Come on. No, thank God. You would have been crying <laughs> like a baby back then. <laughs> I, didn't show, I didn't show up to that one either. There was no big one. How much do you want? Seriously. I don't want anything, dude. Can I give you 2500 or is that too cheap? I, I, I don't Just want name anything. Your, name me a price. I, I'm not naming anything. I'll send you $5,000. I, Would that shut want, you up? I, Stop be no. belly aching. Would you take no. his call for five thousand? <laughs> no, I mean it just is ridiculous. If I send you five grand, you better take my fucking call. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Let's see. I gave Steve twenty five hundred. I known him for eight years. I know Ronnie forty years. Well, oh, let God. me see. You X can't afford the, Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. If eight years is twenty five hundred, another. Mm, I can't do it. It's too hard. I know. I think he got to put an equal sign and then the X. <laughs> I don't know. X? That's algebra. <laughs> X is like the amount I got to give Ronnie. Compared to what you gave. Uh, well, X is something. It has to do with what you give based on eight years and 40 years. Hey, Morty. Hey, Morty dude, in Arizona. You are, you are a complete, total dick. 
I mean, I'm not a you dick. Know, you are. Am a I a dick, dick Ronnie? Well, seriously, tell me, am I a dick? I'm not years, saying. Dude. I'm not saying anything, dude. Oh, oh Ronnie, come no, on. you won't even, even defend me, Ronnie. Ronnie, you're a Neanderthal. You, I don't. You know, you just and you're letting him off the hook. What do you mean off the hook? What, I, what, the what are you talking about? Something came up. Oh, bullshit. You've known this is going on forever, dude. Come on. I told Ro I mean, Ronnie knew from the beginning I was hours. most... Ronnie and then you're trying to buy him off with money? Like, okay, of course. Five grand. What do you, do, what do you think I do with everybody? I buy him off. I don't know, dude. You'd what let him friend? off the hook for that. Uh, I don't right? have any what real friends. Exactly. What kind of friend are you? Seriously, dude, Ronnie, I'd be. I'm not a. I'm no offense, Morty. Yeah, this isn't about friendship. <laughs> this isn't the test of no friendship. Offense, that means you're offending somebody. Ronnie knows when would, when I was a friend a and when like, I came through no for him. Offense, I, don't worry about somebody. it. I am worried about it. I've it's done more for Ronnie horrible. than you'll ever do, uh, or any other know. friends you have. I, You've I, never I, been as good a friend. I have never been better to anyone than I have to Ronnie. Oh my God. That's Ronnie see, can't that's fend for himself, so I took both ways. Yeah. <laughs> Ronnie, Ronnie, it goes both, it goes both ways. Not really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it does. It does go both ways. I mean, the guy's been there for you for everything. He put a pet cock everything. in your car. Not everything. He got a, he got all kinds of stuff. He got a pet cock? <laughs> yeah, he put a pet cock a, in your yeah, car. Yeah, he got a car that doesn't even, doesn't right, even fucking right. work. He got a great radio. <laughs> I mean, just everything he's done for you, and this is how you treat him yet. You know, he doesn't have long yeah. to live. Hey, Marty. He, figured, he doesn't have long to live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saying, you know what I did for Ronnie? Right before COVID, I sent Ronnie to Puerto Rico. What do you think yeah. of that? How you about that? Where's the thank you well, I ever got? Is, Nothing. The problem is he came back. Fuck got. Almost didn't get to come back. I've done plenty for Ronnie. Calm down over there. You can take my call. You accept. I'm calm. <laughs> All you've done is bitch about this wedding and how fucking crazy it is. And now suddenly all you care about is your wedding because I'm not going. No, that's not true. Yeah. No, it's not true. Why, it's, why are you, you trying said, to pawn this off on me now? Because you said the wedding. You were asking. Uh, this is You're trying to pawn this off on me now. Stop. Yeah. I am pointing it off on you. Don't point it off on me. Like Trump, I'm not taking responsibility for my actions. <laughs> Are you crazy? Anyway, all right. I'll call you later. You can take the call or not. Okay, great. I'll explain to you what's going on and hopefully. Oh, I know. Understand. You don't have to explain. That's why I said don't bother hey, calling. Hey. It's ah, all good. Call. Okay. You already said Thank it's you. my fault. Stop it. It's not your fault. <laughs> no, you You're did. Silly. I know. That's I'm on the radio trying to make uh, a light of the situation. Calm down. Well, you did it on the radio, so now deal with it. You know Robin is ill, don't you? Put it together. Yeah, I know. I'm figure it out, right? Robin, right, I, can, Robin? I can understand. This is Exactly. And what do you think? Robin needs me. What's matter with yeah. you? Right, Robin? Say That's yes. right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ronnie's miserable. Well, listen, I know. No, I'm not me. miserable. He loves me. You can tell. I, I get it. I get where it's coming from. So yep. I'm all, all good. Right. Don't worry about good? it. Good. Okay. You don't have to call. Have a good time. I won't. I'm not calling. All right. Cool. Just, How about just, he, he just wants to call you? Just, just end the card. But back, what if? Okay? But, but you and I call each other. So you mean I shouldn't yeah, call you what, ever what again? If he just calls you. Well, you don't have to call me about this. All right. I'll call you about something else then. 
I'll call you today about something else. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Ronnie. Cheer up, sad Ronnie. It's depressing what's going on. Go be loud and obscene. Put on a cock ring and get pegged by Stephanie. I got too much time to think. Yeah. That's well, is right there. He's got too much time to think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, asking someone to fly to Las Vegas for a wedding is a major inconvenience. I don't go to weddings that are an hour away. I don't. You know that. I mean, uh, you know, that's it. Look, I, I don't like friendships with requirements. Oh, thank you for saying that. Like, this is your friend, and this is how he is. And this is what he, he knows. Wants to do he knows who it. I am. He knows yeah. who I am. Because I don't go anywhere. I haven't left my house. I didn't go to Richard Christie's wedding. His wedding was in Manhattan. How many and I lived in Manhattan. happened in, in Manhattan that you didn't go to? I could have thrown a rock from my window where Richard's wedding was. I didn't set foot in that thing. Fred didn't even bother to invite you. He was like, I'm not bothering him. Fred's my best friend. Everyone knows it because he didn't invite me to his wedding. Just he got married. He showed, me, he my showed up and my plumber. Yeah, he had his plumber there. Uh, and you know what? I say right on. Man knows what. Man takes care of business. God, I love you, Fred. I'm going to call you. You don't have to call me. You don't have to call me. You don't have to call me. Hey, let's change the subject because Ed Sheeran... Going to do a little performance. I'm going to talk to him about his new documentary. He's had a heavy fucking time since he was last here. It was no joke. Oh. Yeah, well, we'll get into it a little bit. We'll talk to him, ask him about the fucking royal wedding, too. I don't think he was too happy about it. He didn't look all thrilled yeah, on American Idol. It was interesting Idol. that, uh, yeah, a lot of people, you know, the big names, Elton John was asked and declined. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll, I'll get into it, Robin. Spice Girls, busy. Yeah. 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 A married man has two kids now since the last time we saw him. All right. We'll, I know. Uh, we'll, He's been very productive. Yeah. No problem. Uh, Ed Sheeran next. Yeah. Little razor face from Elton John. Great song, great album, Madman Across the Water. Looking for a place to live. And uh, Ed's a big Elton John guy. Must be getting out. Elton gave Ed a, a giant penis statue for his birthday a couple of years ago. If you remember that story? Which is <laughs> Same thing I'm getting Ronnie where do you for his put wedding. Something that, like that. I don't know. That? Probably in the garden. Uh, Ed Sheeran, everybody, is here. Ed, uh, well, you know who Ed is. Ed's new album is out. Subtract. Available wherever music is sold. And Ed's documentary, which I watched, is fantastic. Some of it all on Disney+. Plus. You can hear Ed, of course, all the time on Sirius XM, every channel. It's one pulse, you name it. Look at you. There you are, Ed Sheeran, looking in shape and everything. Oh, you wear the iWatch, huh? You wear uh, one of those? Uh, you wear an iWatch? Uh, no, no, this is a manual wind-up 
watchy watch but uh no i had an iWatch for a bit and then i got rid of a phone and then it just sort of seemed pointless having something reminding me of messages that weren't coming in yeah i mean i you know i'm not getting a why i watch i mean i get enough input from everybody texting and emailing me and hocking me every minute so <laughs> I, I i'm not doing it yeah I forget the story. Why did El Elton gave you the penis? No, it was the other way around. It was his 74th birthday, and I was like, what do you get the man that has everything? And then uh, a friend of mine uh, who like lives opposite me where I you know, come from, he worked at, uh, like, Stonemason. And I was like, oh. can you make anything? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, how big of a cock can you make? And he was like, pretty, <laughs> pretty big. So I made yeah. this huge marble cock for Elton, and at the bottom it said, happy birthday, you C-word. And I sent it off to him, and then I heard nothing. And I was like, oh, that might have been a step too far, actually. Like, I know he has a good <laughs> sense of humour, but... And anyway, he messaged back and was like, I love it, I've been showing it to all my friends. And and then for his 75th, I got him a micro-penis made from the same guy. So he's got a giant one and a micro one. See, that's a tricky thing. When you're hanging out with celebrities, you got to be really fucking careful. Like, something like that can yeah. be a home run. Because then all of a sudden, maybe he's like, oh, so I'm gay, so now he's sending me a cock. Like, you know, like, you know what I mean? And it'd be like, you know like, what it oh. was? I'd been around his and him and David had showed me the diamond encrusted cock rings that Eminem had bought him. And they were both like, isn't this amazing? <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to try and outdo the diamond encrusted cock ring. I don't think I did, but it's definitely memorable, you know? No, no. Getting people gifts, especially getting a gift for Elton John. Can you, by the way, I don't think I ever spoke to you about this. Can you believe he doesn't have a piano in his house? Isn't that weird? He does have a piano in his house. Oh, maybe I did talk to you about that, and you told me that. Yeah, we wrote um, the the Christmas song we did. We wrote at the piano in his house. We'd like, okay. yeah, he he definitely has the penis you got him Ed, was it circumcised or uncircumcised i'm curious uh i actually got a few made so i've got an uncircumcised one in my pub at home and then his one is uh <laughs> no 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 i've got the circumcised one in my pub and then he's got the uncircumcised one there's a lot of this is like to talk straight about. in by the way we're just straight like, in we're going right into the cock talk <laughs> well listen it's a, it's a really great idea getting someone a penis it's a, it's a ballsy move mark you know pardon the pun Anyway, Ed, first of all, congratulations on the new album. I'm going to Thank tell you. you my favorite songs on it because I know you care and you were, you're curious always. You really write these albums for me and you want to know everything I think. That's number one. But I want to congratulate you on this court case. There is nothing worse in my book as somebody who creates stuff, somebody accusing you of a ripoff. There is nothing worse to an artist. And listen, thank God the jury went your way. And I was going to ask you, I read in the paper, you sat down with the jury, and I think this is great, and you took out your guitar, and you said to the jury, you think I ripped off this song? I'm going to play you something now and show you how similar things can be, because we all use the same four chords. What did you play for that jury? Um, if I was the jury, yeah, what did you say to them? So it was, um, so my one is, um, when your legs don't work like they used to before, and then there's... Have I told you lately that I loved you? And then, um, um, people get ready, there's a train coming. Um, and then, uh, what was the, looks like we made it, look how far we've come, my baby. And, oh, she breaks, just like a woman. I mean, there was, there was a hundred and one songs that... And that was like scratching the surface. There was like a hundred and one, you know, there's, um, uh, I guess you'll say it's, it's really, 
And what I was saying is like, yes, it's a chord sequence that you hear on successful songs, but if you say that a song in 1973 owns this, then what about all the songs that came before? We found songs like from like the 1700s that had similar uh, melodic stuff. And then there was like huge songs in the 50s and huge songs in the 60s. And it's just, there's no one saying that songs shouldn't be copyrighted, but you just can't copyright a chord sequence. You just can't. Like there's all the other things, yes, but just with a chord sequence, that should be the first building block that's freely available for songwriters. As a non-musician, and if I was sitting in the jury, I'd say, oh, now I understand. Yeah, but that little demo right there. But that's the thing, man. The thing, the thing about these these cases is you 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 have your expert musicologist, and they have their expert musicologist, and they sort of argue the sort of musicalness of it, and that takes like a day and a half. And you see a jury switch off from that because they're going in like really, really heavily into musical theory. Whereas I feel like if you can just just sit there and be like, look, this is this and this is this and this is this. And the other thing, man, like the, you know, you, 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 if, if, if there's a murder, right? Like you can't just hire your own forensic person. Like I don't understand why the court hasn't got <laughs> someone appointed just to be like, this is the law and this is the thing. It's, it's mad to sort of sit there and hear because it's basically war of the experts and who's the biggest expert when that's a good point. You're right. Yeah. In a murder trial, that wouldn't happen. You, you, you know, they'd bring in an expert who would say, look, here's the evidence. Here's this, that. You're going to hire your guy. They're going to hire their guy. And they're both going to say opposing things, you know? Of course. But yeah. It wow. Was, I, I'm really glad it's over, man. It was like eight years of that. And, you know, it's very... Eight years. Yeah. Eight years. And it's, you know, that, this is my, like, livelihood. And this is the thing that I've worked my entire life to do and have to have someone like disbelieve it and diminish it and just say that you've stolen it i really felt like i had to take a stand and and go to it and either way you lose because you you spend god knows what to win the case and then you don't get that back and if you lose the case you lose god knows so either way you're sort of in a and then there's also the stain on your reputation for the whole of your life there's always a question mark of like the headline of ed sheeran stole this or what that that doesn't go away so you have to sort of take that risk of like I'm going to go really public with this, take it to court, and hope for the best, basically. Why did you hug the people suing you? I read that and I said, Ed is a great guy. I've hung with you a little bit. Yeah. Ed is a really nice guy. You are. It comes across in the documentary, Thank you know, you. Uh, how genuine you are. And, how, and it also comes across how hard you work. I'm talking millions of hours perfecting and getting comfortable on stage. It really comes across in the documentary. But but at some point, why hug the people suing you? Eight years, God knows how much money spent. I wouldn't have hugged them. I mean, uh, what, was, what was your thought there? Well, I mean, there's a difference between their lawyers and them. I think, like, you know, th these sort of things are a big money business. And lawyers can be really nasty. And I sat in the courtroom and I got battered by their side. And I, I obviously, I don't feel like hugging them. You know, they were right. not very nice about me for all of that time well for for the last eight years but i sort of felt that um well for one she understood at the end of it that i didn't and you know she was like i'm really sorry that we both had to go through this and i was like i am too like this obviously isn't like pleasant uh and yeah i don't want to walk away from there feeling any animosity whatsoever like it's yeah mm. i've 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 said my piece i've proved my point and i want to move on with my life and i don't want to move on with my life like 
you know, sneering or being like, yeah, I got you, but I'm just like, that was, I didn't want to do that, but I've done it. And now I'm just going to move on. And like, I'm, I'm just, I'm not someone that's going to hold animosity in my heart, you know? But you missed your grandmother's funeral because yeah. of this court case. You, yeah. Could you have said to the judge, hey, by the way, can I have a day to go to my grandmother's funeral? Well, uh, it was in Ireland. That was the only thing. And the thing with it, like, I thought the case would end Monday or Tuesday and the funeral was on Wednesday. And then on the thurs Thursday or the Monday, I can't remember what. So everything was going to plan, and then their side suddenly randomly called my manager to, like, it wasn't in the schedule, and they randomly called him, and they, they questioned him for what whatever it was. And that made it spill over, and I was like, because of that, I'm now going to miss this this and i didn't want to i didn't want it to be like a sob story in court and being did you know my grandmother died and i need to go to the i didn't want it to be that so i just sort of like you know i tuned in my 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 brother uh sort of video called me in in the morning and i, I managed to actually watch the funeral and uh which was nice to sort of be there but yeah it's uh it's it's a shame i won't get that time back and she was a no. great woman um but yeah Needless to say, you will not be sending uh, them a penis statue uh, anytime <laughs> soon. But, uh, you know, honestly, I don't discount what you say. When you've got something looming over you for eight years, and I know how much pride you take in songwriting and coming up with music and performance and, and entertaining people. And it's like for eight years, you walk around with this little nauseous feeling, not all day. But every once in a while, it goes, oh, fuck, I'm being accused of stealing a Marvin Gaye song. And you probably love Marvin Gaye, and you, you have nothing, you know, it's like you're in the twilight zone. Yeah. And I could imagine this was very, very painful. And so good for you, man, winning Thanks, that. Thanks, man. And, I feel like you, it's, I, I, you know, it's, it's a very, very common thing in music, the sort of like secret settlements that go on, because... You know, people get claims and then they go, right, this is going to cost X amount of money to take to court and you're going to miss X amount of touring to do this. And then so people sort of settle behind yep. the scenes. And I'd done that like once when I was a bit younger and it really left a bad taste in my mouth because I was like, I actually didn't. And the advice was to to do it because you lose X amount of time and financial whatever not doing the shows and then it's lawyer stuff and then it's public so i was sort of advised against it and as soon as i'd done it i was like i'm oh, sorry i was advised to do it and as soon as i'd done it it really left a bad taste in my mouth and i was like the next time something like this happens i'm i'm fighting it just to like just to make a stand the legal system makes it almost impossible you're right because it would have taken so many years so much money you had to get on with your career and it's really hard to defend yourself with this kind of thing it's really especially too when it's like uh you know the family of marvin gay because he's so beloved well it know, actually and, wasn't it was uh uh the family of um ed townsend who'd uh, oh, right. written the song oh, right. yeah yeah that's it right was, um, yeah it was different but do you know I, like honestly it's all good now like like there's no that there's no animosity from my side whatsoever i've 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 proved my point i've moved on with it uh i get to play that song with my head held high uh i get to listen to let's get it on again and enjoy it you know like it's there's it, it there's lots to celebrate do you uh did you get a lot of phone calls from other musicians thanking you for oh, man. standing up? well yeah it was sort of like in the process you know someone like elton john bon jovi sent me a really li nice message taylor congratulated me when i won the case like it was yeah i so many people have reached out about it i do th i think it's you know it's if if you can suddenly copyright a chord sequence it does when i said you know everyone was saying to me after i said uh if i lost i'd quit 
uh, songwriting and they were like, no, you wouldn't. And I really honestly think I probably would have done because it would, it just takes the joy out of it. If you can't sit yep. down and go, I, I can't use a C chord to a G chord because someone in the sixties used a C chord to a G chord. It, 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 it just sucks the fun out of it. You know, you know, the thing I got from the documentary and I recommend that uh, everyone watch it. And again, it was really good. It's four parts. Uh, you know, a lot of these documentaries are fluff pieces. Man, you really let it all show. You well, have had an incredible couple of years since I last saw you that are fucking crazy. Thanks, I mean. man. Well, that, that that was the thing going into it. Like, the, the guys that directed it had made a couple of documentaries like that that had been uh, basically glorified promo packages. And they said to me, they were like, look, we're not interested in making the documentary that you want to make. We're interested in, like, making something that's a bit more human and it's going to be super uncomfortable for you we're going to basically film your life and whatever we find we're going to make into a documentary and just trust us that it's going to be respectful and you're so, a pretty private guy though didn't you find those cameras really obtrusive I well mean, it, most of it uh most of the like really really uh uncomfortable bits of shot my best friend nick uh has sort of you know, he's a videographer and he's been following me for the last like six years. So those, those bits are sort of shot by him. So it wasn't so much intrusive because my, like when I'm at my friend Jamal's, uh, uh, memorial and I, I broke down in the car, like that was Nick with me at the m memorial. He just happened to have a camera, but it didn't feel like there was a camera on. Does that make sense? Yeah, because yeah. when your friend's there, you can be a little more comfortable. If it's totally. a stranger, you're like, fuck, what the hell? Well, they remind you. I mean, that's what helped, though. They weren't actually strangers. I'd worked with all of them uh, before. They'd done, like, stuff with One Direction, like, way back in the day. So I'd known them for 12 years or what, 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 whatever. But, the, yeah, the document, I, I mean, I feel uncomfortable watching it because there's so much that I would edit out just from a, um, you know, as you said, like, I am a, uh, a guarded private person and there's only so much you want out there but i don't know it felt like with the album i like i handed in this album and my record label thought it was a breakup album and i just felt i needed to give it a bit of context because it's actually more of an album about grief yeah you um you hit me a couple of times with this new album that really were you know really heavy like i know um the the song what the fuck did you call it? Uh, Saltwater, I think. Yeah. So my father died over the summer. And when I heard Saltwater, right. yeah, I knew, well, he was an old guy, you know, it, it was his time. But, but nevertheless, I have this horrible image of my father in hospice with his arms up in the air, like he was calling to God or something. Like it was really weird. And I can't get this image out of my head. And then I, I hadn't thought about it in a while. And then I was listening to Saltwater which I feel is about death. Am I correct on this? Uh, it's, it's actually about suicide. It's, it's, um, but yeah, I mean, in, in general, yeah, it would be that, that would be the general theme. It's well, like the album. It's, it's weird. Cause so many of my albums, there's, they would might be like one song about something heavy on a record, but this album sort of is just, it is just a heavy record. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's going to be weird trying to fit in these songs that like, a stadium show where people are coming for a great yeah. time to dance and sing to Galway Girl and thinking out loud and perfect and stuff. So it's it's just a different... It's one of these things I made and I was like, I have to put this out, but I don't know how this is going to be received or whether people will like it at all, but I do have to put it out. I'm sitting at my desk listening to Saltwater and I'm thinking of my father. 
for some reason, it all kind of came together, and I started crying. I really felt, I mean, the song really got me. Thank you, know? you man. And I thought that Saltwater plays out like what the final moments of your life would be. Yeah. And that's when I thought of my father. Those were his final moments. And the song really hit me hard. Want me to play a little of that, or can you play a little of that on Yeah, there? I can play I can play it if you want. Um. Let's listen to the words on this thing. It's still so far to go And I can feel my toes When the rain soaks through the heels And slips to the sole Yeah, the blades are two feet tall I wait in green, I'm moving forward To where God only knows Feel the wind's harsh refrain Like the clouds grip my face Saying it's alright to run From all this pain Oh, and when it's time to go With one last breath that's in my lungs I'll scream it's all for love I'll scream it's all for love Come and kiss me salt water Oh, finally I feel it Three or four degrees I'm free in salt Just a dream I can see it up ahead Where the sky meets the ground And after that there's only moving grey I am filled up with regret With things I did or never said Just leave that well alone and Come and kiss me salt just a dream It was just a dream Was it just a dream It was just a dream It was just a dream Was it just a dream Now I'm standing on the edge Gazing into hell or is it something else? I just can't tell And when there's nothing left I close my eyes and take one step And say, well, here it goes I say, well, here it goes and Come and kiss me, salt water Oh, finally I feel it Three or four degrees I'm free Water Embrace the deep and leave everything It was just a dream Man, that is good. Thank you. 
Do you, you, you can't be having a good day when you write that song, right? You can't switch it off and on. It's got to, like, why were you thinking about suicide? Why was that uh, on your mind? It was, I don't know. I kind of, I've, I don't really know how to describe it. I've had so many like ups and downs throughout my, like from my childhood into my teenage years into my twenties. And I have never really put it in to song or spoken about it. it's quite an uncomfortable thing to obviously share publicly and i was just having i was i it was it was the time of life you know like my wife had got sort of diagnosed with this tumor that they'd found when she was pregnant and a week after my best friend died and a week after i went into this other lawsuit that was in england and i just felt like every and then the first day of the other lawsuit another mate of mine ended up passing away and I felt what did like, he die of? What did the other friend die from? Uh, they, they haven't really worked it worked it out. It was like a heart thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was. I just felt like every time I was like, it can't get worse than this. It did, and you know, you, you I, there's a lot of like water imagery in in the album, and it's basically feeling like you're drowning under the waves, and every time you come up for breath, another wave comes, and you know, l life has moved on since then, and. 2023 is seeming good and but it about at the time it felt quite overwhelming did you feel like you were going to commit suicide well that song is basically about the what if uh not the not that i'm going to it's the it's the what if basically yeah i mean i thought it was i don't know for some reason it took me right to my father dying you know and then i was even in the in the um first of all i got a million questions for you that guitar you play no offense, but looks like the cheapest, <laughs> crappiest guitar I've ever seen. Like, I, I, that's the oh, same man. guitar you use in the documentary. And I'm like, what kind of guitar is that? Um, so this is, uh, basically when I was young, um, my first, the thing that made me want to be a singer songwriter was I went to go and see Damien Rice play and he played a guitar called a Loudon, which are these guitars made in, in Northern Ireland. And I looked them up when I was younger, but they're like four grand. And when you're, 12 really four, four grand might as well be like you know two million pounds so when i got older it was always something that i wanted uh when i got successful but they're like really difficult to get they're all handmade by by this dude in in northern ireland and i went on tour with snow patrol and gary from snow patrol plays aloud and i was like oh man i've always dreamed of having one of those so he got me one made which was like a smaller one like this and then when i met george who runs the company i was like I love playing your guitars, but I could only get them when, when I could afford them. So can we set up a company together that is not your name, which you've built up over years as being this like, you know, incredibly, uh, handmade, amazing thing. I was like, can we build a factory in Northern Ireland and make, uh, guitars that, you know, teenagers and people in their early twenties could be able to get. But so it's not is, a flash. That. It, that's it. But it's not a flashy guitar. Cause I'm an, you know, I don't know anything about guitars and I'm looking at it and go, Ed doesn't give a shit. Like he'll play anything. But what is it about the sound of that guitar? Like what? Is, I mean, well, I mean, they are really, they are really well-made guitars. They are like, um, they're, they're all handmade in in Northern Ireland. Uh, this one in particular, I've made. Well, George made the body a little bit smaller. So when I play live, because the the if you play a big, big, deep guitar in a stadium, it feeds back and goes. Oh. So this is a little bit smaller. Have you see you you know when I play and I uh, hit it like a bit of percussion yeah. and stuff like that. So this one's made specifically for stage, basically. Well, yeah, because that's mind blowing. But, but you wouldn't record I, with this. This I, you, I have like oh. a, a, a proper one to record with.
Oh, so that thing is the, that guitar is the one. Now, the other thing that freaks me out about your style, you never use a pick. And I'm like, Ed's going to tear up his fingers when he's playing. <laughs> you should see them, man. They aren't, they are always cut up. Um, I do use a pick sometimes. If I'm doing like really, really, really fast, um, strumming on like, if I'm building up a loop, I do use it sometimes, but I would say, you know, 98 times out of 100, I'm, I'm using my fingers. I, in the documentary, I was blown out by the amount of hours you put in becoming who you are. Mm. It is mind-blowing seeing you in all these different scenarios, playing for anybody, going up on stages, standing on top of cars. It doesn't matter to you. You'll play anywhere, anytime to get over that fear. And I said, that's what it takes to be a great songwriter Toast and a great that. performer. Well, what I found was I, you know, I wrote songs when I was, you know, uh, a young teenager and then i moved to the city when i was 17 and i remember going into these rooms and everyone was better than me everyone like i'd be on a uh, on a set with like five other artists all their songs were better all their voice were better all their you know guitar skills performancing uh stuff like just they were just all much much better than me and i was like I'm obviously not the most talented person in in this room, but the one thing that I can do is outwork everyone because that you're that's what you're in charge of, aren't you? You're in charge of your schedule and your time and your and your body. So I was just like, I'm going to go out, I'm going to play every single show I can, I'm going to write every single day, and eventually, because you do it a lot, it gets better, and then and then it ends up, it works out in your favor, basically. When they see Ed Sheeran now, I know people go, "Oh, he's so full of shit. He's just being humble." I know this to be true. I know when I started in radio, I was dead last. Mm. Anytime I got even a radio gig, I was the worst one on the radio. My voice sounded like shit. I was nervous and I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. And I was turned to my wife while I was watching the documentary and I said, Eddie's laying it out there. He's telling the truth. If you work and work and work at it, but in a way that's almost crazy. Yeah. I would put in thousands. I would listen to every tape I ever made. I would listen to everything I did and say, I got to get better. I got to make this happen. It, I mean, it has to become an obsession to, to get better. You know, the, the Malcolm Gladwell thing about the 10,000 hours, like, I know that's like something that people talk about all the time, but if you genuinely put in 10,000 hours into anything, you are going to be good at it. And it just doesn't happen if you don't. It just like, you can be, there are so many people that I know that are naturally talented. They are just, they are just good. They yep. wake up in the morning and they sing amazingly and they write amazing songs, but they don't have the, uh, they don't have the bit where they go, I need to get better because they're already good. You know, you, right. like, you, I just think, I, I, I just think if you start off a bit shit, it drives you on to get better. And then you continually try and better yourself, you know? I think you're right. You're right. I knew guys who were really talented on the air and they coasted. They just coasted because they could. They get gigs and it wasn't that big a deal to them. So how Speaking do you feel of, now? Do you feel like, do you feel like you can still improve and still get better? Absolutely. Yesterday I walked around going, I did a pretty good show. In fact, I don't think he'd mind me telling me. Steve Martin wrote me and said, you, you killed today. Steve Martin, the funniest guy in the world. But there are days I get off the air and I go, I, I suck. I don't yeah. know what I'm doing. I don't think, I think if you're wired a certain way, you never feel good or a hundred percent sure. It was really interesting to me in the documentary when you go, I don't care if people like this. I did, I wrote this as a personal album. I wrote this. And then like the next scene, you're going, 
oh, I hope people like this. Yeah. I, you know, like you literally contradict yourself. And I go, that's honest. Yeah. And um, it is, but, but my mind flips back from one to the other. Like this week with the album being out and the reaction from people, you know, like, f- like it's the most connected I've felt to my fan base in years. And they're really like loving it. And, but on the same level, I'm like, and, and, and critics are liking it too, which is I've never had a five star review in anything. And part of me is like, remember how you felt like a month ago where you were like, it doesn't matter how this was received. You're doing it for yourself, blah, blah, blah. But there is something when it is received well where you're like, oh, I, yeah, obviously I do care about this, but it's a very, it's, it's juxtaposing, isn't it? Cause you're, it is like, I always say to people, like, I write music because I have to and I release music because I want to connect with people. Like when, when, like that and there is a difference like i you I, I write music and i don't care what people think about it in that moment because i've written it and i and i like it but when you choose to release it you are going i hope people like this like my yeah. my job and your job is based on popularity we you can do a radio show on your own and not release it and you enjoy it i can write a song on my own uh i can play guitar in the house and and i enjoy it but when i stand out on stage and sing songs that i've written i am asking people what do you think and you have to kind of accept either way what they think. Other, otherwise, just don't do it. Don't sign a deal. Don't release songs. Stay in your house, write songs, and just enjoy making music. Doesn't it scare you, too, when you get critics who have been against you the whole time, all of a sudden loving you? Don't you even go, oh, fuck. That's uh, bad. I mean, the only thing that sort of scared me is all of, all of my massive commercial records no, like have been critically panned, and this one's been liked. So I'm like, <laughs> does that bode badly? But the thing is, this record, like, it's not it's not made to be a commercial. Like, there's nothing on this album that's going to be like banged out in the gym while you're doing like reps, or like you're going to put on in a club when you're dancing with your mate. Like, it is. It uh, this. I feel like this album's quite a solitary record. You need to listen to this, like on a walk somewhere or like in the car or or think like it's and what i like about it is the album sort of being listened to as a whole rather than records that i put out before obviously there's spike songs like bad habits would be the one that most people be drawn to because that's like the big single and stuff whereas this one's a as a whole uh and i haven't had a record like that since my my debut um you know which is you know it's nice for me like when you look at springsteen's career and then you see when he started doing stuff like Nebraska, which were like these quiet acoustic yeah. albums, which he knew. Like in a way, doesn't doesn't that occur to you? Like, yeah, fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something quiet and something introspective. You know, it's interesting you say Nebraska because that was that was essentially what I said. I was like, look, Springsteen's biggest. I'm, I don't know if, m- metrically or whatever, but in my mind, his biggest record is Born in the USA. But my favorite record of his is Nebraska, and Nebraska's. The most important Bruce Springsteen album to me, you know, uh, and it, it was actually the the record that got me into Bruce Springsteen. I remember hearing that and being like, whoa. Um, and there's something in that, man. There's something in what you leave behind. Like, Divide is my most commercially successful album. But I imagine Subtract will be the one that people have connected to the most, therefore is the most important to them in 30 years' time. And there's just different ways of measuring success and for me there's with this record the the only measurement of success that i'm i'm using for it is how do people connect the the, the fact that you said you listened to salt water and got emotional is exactly what i wanted the record to do like it wouldn't impress me someone being like it's done this and it's all this like if it doesn't connect to anyone you know all right no no this this album is a big a big uh, departure for you there's something very personal like i 
listen, I enjoy your music. You know that. Thank you. But when I heard Saltwater, I went, oh, and, and quite frankly, I had the same reaction to Eyes Closed. Um, you know, I didn't even, when I first heard Eyes Closed, I didn't know what you had written about. I didn't know it was about this friend of yours, Jamal. <clears throat> and man, I mean, this guy, Jamal, to you, he was like your everything. He believed in you when no one else did. That's yeah. the impression I got. He he was a guy who believed in you, right? Well, yeah, and he sort of gave me his platform. Like, he had a plat. like, we sort of met uh, late teens, and I was a struggling singer-songwriter, and he had this uh, online YouTube platform that did uh, basically, like, uh, rap videos and freestyles and, and, and stuff like that. And he was like, let me put you on my channel. And it was a very, again, like a juxtaposition. Like there wasn't, he hadn't really done that before. And it just, what blew. did, what did he put on the channel? You need me. I don't, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. A song called yeah, this song. Yeah, this song you wrote when you were 15. And let's put it in perspective. Record companies weren't knocking on your door. Uh, no, it, it, it was, been turned I, I down. Was, I was basically, I was, yeah, I'd been turned down at least twice by all the majors. And, um, it's, you know, he had a platform where all the majors were taking note. And, you know, he put this video up. I met my manager through that. I met the guy that signed me to the record label through that. Uh, and I, it just started this, this wave. But at the same time, like I was living with him. He'd become my best friend and, we were having this sort of rise together. And when I had my first hit single, I remember him signing a joint venture deal with Sony to set up his own label and blah, blah, blah. And just throughout the years, like we were shooting a music video the day after he passed away. Like we were just constant, constant, constant making stuff. And, um, yeah, I just remember, uh, waking up in the morning and getting a call and just being like, he's dead. And it's, you know, I'd been speaking to him like four hours before that. I know that's the thing that everyone says when people pass away. Like, oh, I just spoke to them, but I was in, he was my best mate. So I was in constant conversation with him and I just didn't believe it for ages. I, uh, you know, I, I went to his mum's house. He was, um, uh, from, uh, St. Vincent in, uh, the Grenadines and they, in Caribbean culture, they do this thing called a nine night where for nine days and nights you go to the family ho house. And you, uh, you, you know, share stories, you cry, you drink. And then on the ninth night, you have a celebration. And I was sort of doing that the whole time. And they'd made a mural. I was going down to see the mural and, sh and sharing stories, but it didn't really hit home until his funeral, until someone, I, I'd only ever been to cremations. I'd only ever, you know, and the, but there's something very real and visceral about being given a shovel and then putting dirt on your friend's grave. And that was like the thing that I don't know hit home i was like oh no, he's not coming back but eyes closed was written in the month between him passing away and the funeral of thinking that you know we lived in west london both of us and we used to go to all these different places and i would go to the places in that month to remember him and think that he was going to walk in and obviously he didn't and yeah that's what the inspiration behind the song basically was so what is the process? In other words, you're going through this horrible grief. And I mean, it probably, you know, you, you didn't expect the guy was 31 years old. You didn't expect mm. him to die. He, he didn't bring it up in the, in the documentary. I guess that was out of respect. Like, but he, he died of a drug overdose. He, he did some coke and he, and he had a heart attack. And that always freaks me out because people don't know about that. I remember this guy, Len Bias, who was a basketball player. He, he took a hit and he died. He got a heart attack. Not, you, not everyone can survive cocaine. And so when someone's taken away like that, 
it's even more of a shock because he's young, he's vital, he's healthy, he's your best friend, and then he's gone. And so at what point can you even write a song about him? Is it, do you, do you go home and say, all of this grief, I'm going to what, write in my journal? How do you, how did no. that, how does this song come about? Well, I mean, I'm constantly writing songs. It's like my way of therapy, I guess. I'm, I'm constantly writing. So throughout that, I was just constantly writing songs anyway. Um, but this, were you angry come... with him? Was, was there any part of you that was in touch with how angry you are at this friend of yours? You love him so much. Uh, uh no, not. Not at all. No, I'm sort of, what I'm angry about is the, the things that he's not going to get to do or see, you know? Um, yeah. But, but do you feel like, oh, why wasn't he more responsible? Why didn't he take care of himself? He's such a great guy. He's a great human being. Oh, I, why, I why? think there's many more layers to that, man. I think there's, you know, there's many, I don't want to go into it, but there's, there's, there's more layers to it than just what the media have reported, basically. It's, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a shame that all of that stuff came out in, in, the press i've i've i find i find press with people of note that have passed away very disrespectful how they i had another friend that passed away and they released his um you know uh biopsy afterwards it's just i just find that weird like who reads that who who right. reads that apart from the family and goes why is this out there i just like why do you need to put that out there why can't it just be this guy passed away and let's all be sad like i don't understand why you have to talk about the way it, it just, yeah, that, that made me really angry when that came out. And it's just not nice for his family and friends to But have what do they do? They go around digging around for this kind of information? Yeah, they get the coroner's saying? report and I just, I, it's horrible. It's horrible. Why? Why would you do that? Why? It like, someone's passed away, people are grieving and they're processing it. And then three months later, you decide to like put the coroner's report in a national newspaper. Why? Like, who, who does that serve? What, who in the general public that doesn't know him would read that and go, oh, that was an interesting story. I'm glad I read that. No one. Everyone's like, this is messed up. Like, why the fuck would you? Yeah, it really, it, all that stuff makes me angry. And, you know, just. Well, I know I was curious. Like, when I was watching your documentary, I went, well, wait a second. What, what happened to Ed? Like, I wasn't trying to be nosy about it. I was just trying to say, Ed just lost his friend, this young guy. What happened? No. You know, I, like, like, I don't understand. Totally. You know? Totally. But if, if. I feel like if the family haven't come out and said this is what it is, then people shouldn't ask. I think. Right. I think that's what that's that's where I'm coming from with it. You know, like yeah. there've been people that I know that have, you know, taken their own lives, and no one really knows that because their family are like, I don't want to come out and say that. You know, it's just like we, you know, we've lost. You, you, people will usually say we've lost our. Um, that's a good to, point like to like mental health or something and no one asks any more questions after that i just think it's just morbid and weird to want to know all the details of something when someone's not sharing it and i do think papers should just be a little bit more respectful with it I yeah think. like you wouldn't out someone who's in the hospital with a medical problem like there's usually a line drawn yeah but maybe maybe it isn't necessary that they do that i just think it's ah. cruel for you know like i i sat with jamal's mum and sister talking about this before it was released to the press and they're like why are they doing this and i couldn't answer i'm like i don't know like i don't know who this serves at all and also it's just a click someone just sees it on the internet they click on it they read it and then they flick to something else and that in itself is messed up as well that something that can be that painful for a family member or a friend to read is just internet fodder you know it's just it, yeah. all of all of that shit really 
I get people's curiosity, but it just, it really, ang it just angers me as a friend that it's so done, it's so insensitively. Sorry to go on about it for so long. No, no, it reduces the guy's life to, oh, he was a drug addict. Okay, but he wasn't. He wasn't. Right. He was so... Right, no, I'm saying that's what people think. Yeah, They just read one little blurb, you know? Yeah, and that's and the you, thing, like, when you ask, like, are you angry with him? No, I'm like, the, the only thing that uh, annoys me about it is... And I have this with myself, like, when I go through things, like, my best mate, Nick, who was the guy that filming and stuff, like, I don't really talk to him in depth about stuff because we go out and we talk about football and our kids and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And I know that if anything happened to me, Nick would be like, oh, why didn't Ed tell me about this, this and this? And I know why. It's because when we, like, when I hung out with Jamal, we'd listen to music together. We'd catch up about this or that. We'd talk, we'd talk about the football and stuff like that. And that is just what, me and my friend i think i think it's a guy thing i don't want to be too generalizing but you don't really talk about your feelings so the only thing that i'm sort of annoyed about is not knowing you know not yeah not 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 having the because the worst thing you can say to your mate is like are you all right and then they go yeah yeah and go no 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 but are you really all right that's the worst thing that to, for me to hear and i don't know i feel like i'm probably should have done that you know why is that such a guy thing? Like, I, I know what you're talking about. It's like, if you start getting a little too heavy, everyone gets uptight like it's gay or something, you know? Like, well, if you're being. I, I think you just reduce it to sort of humor when it, when it gets. And I, I have this, like, my, my wife has these, like, girls' nights, and I walk in and there's always someone crying. Always. And right. I said to my wife once, I was like, do you think it's a bit weird that you all get together and, you know, catch up and one of you always cries. And she says, I think it's weird that you, you don't with your mates. You all just hang out and you just like drink beer, make jokes and talk about football. And actually like all of you, like most of my friends now have kids and they're going through stuff with jobs. And, you know, some of them have had parents that passed away. And like, those are the things that we should actually be talking about. But you sort of get together with your mates. And I don't know, it, it sort of feels like that the point of the night is to distract you from all the things that are upsetting you at that point and you don't want to bring them up because you're with your friends and you're you're having fun i guess it's just a different approach and again like i don't want to be generalizing and saying like it happens with all blokes but with me it and does. my friends it's that that's what we do you know yeah i know i think about that all the time and yeah right that would make me angry in the sense that oh shit why didn't jamal and i really talk why didn't we really but, sit we, down? but, but the thing is we did we talked all day every day like all day every day so so we did so there's no regret from like a. it's not like i wasn't in touch with him ever it was just the yeah i don't know it's weird putting out this documentary and album as well man because as i said these are feelings that i haven't really ever spoken about and like even my parents or my friends or like family members are now like, oh, we didn't realize that <laughs> you went, felt like this well, or we're going through. Like people just think when they see me in the court case, because I'm, uh, I don't know, my job has always been confidence and standing on stage. They just think, oh, he's, he's got this, like he's good. Whereas like the actual like inner feelings of that are pure terror because you're like there every day and people are saying whatever they want about you and you just have to sit there in silence and take it because you can't stand up mid-court and be like that is so wrong like well what's so crazy to me watching that documentary right before you're about to go on stage to seventy thousand people i can't even imagine the nerves 
But you look cool as a cucumber, like you're sitting in your trailer, just kind of, or like you're bopping around, or you're joking around with someone. And I go, I think he's done this so many times. There's no anxiety whatsoever. I but mean, do you, you not get that? I mean, you go on the how well, your listenership I, is in like the tens of millions. Do you not think that every time you go on mic, you're like, man, like I would say, but you've done it so many times, so it's second nature for you. But if I was going on every day and my listenership was in the tens of millions, I'd be like, I hope I do a good job today. Yeah, it is weird because when I was watching your documentary and you're up in front of 70,000 people, I said to my wife, you know what's really weird? Somebody once said to me, if you gauge the amount of audience I have, it's like uh, broadcasting to 25 football stadiums full of people at any given moment in that day. And I went, oh, shit, look at Ed. Like, 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 that's crazy. But what's what's weird with you is you're standing up there by yourself. A lot of times. Are you not no sitting band. there by yourself a lot of the yeah, time? I don't know. It just, it just, it, it, how much alone time do you need after a show? Like when you, when you come down off of that high. Um, uh, and well, I used to, you know, I, I used to just go out and take a lot of drugs and hit bars. And now it's very much like I have a family and it's chilled out and I might watch a movie and have a glass of wine, but it's like, there is a thing. I always used to think it was like an excuse why people became addicts and alcoholics in my industry the excuse was like oh i need to come down after a show but in the times where i've been sober and not done it you know you buzz until two o'clock in the morning until until you get too tired and, and fall asleep after a show there is a real adrenaline thing um, oh yeah but yeah i don't really like being alone man i don't i don't like after a show i i would want to hang out with people like i don't if i have a free moment in my day I usually want to be around someone. I don't really like spending a lot of time on my own. After you do a big show, do you still seek people's approval? Do you go, uh, Cherry, how'd I do? What do you think? Do you think it was good? Did you, do you think people liked it or, or, or are you pretty settled that? Yeah, it, I think job? it's different with shows. I mean, album, like if I'm putting out a new album, like the scariest day is release day. Always, you know, like I love making music, but I hate releasing music. But for like when you put out something and you're like, people are gonna like this and that and then sort of a month later you find out whether people do or not realistically like no one actually makes up their mind on the first day but i think with shows you're it's i've done sort of two to three thousand shows i've probably played you know four hundred stadiums at this point and you know when it's gone well and you know when it, it, it hasn't i had a gig in auckland new zealand where my loop pedal just before the encore shut off and then my guitar didn't work, my mic didn't work, and I'm just standing in the mid because I'm I play in, in in the round, so I'm standing in the middle of the stadium to sixty thousand people and not able to talk to them or play. And then we put the loop pedal back on, and then it shut off again, and then it came back on and it shut off again. And I, I ended up finishing the show just playing um, without a pedal acoustically. And I remember walking off that gig being like, I don't think that was a good show, but I think the fact of it being different made people like it as well so there's sometimes i think it hasn't been good and actually it has been yeah you'd have to do 10 billion shows in order to handle that moment that's the only way like you did something you, yeah. you know i thought it was incredibly powerful and i was so proud of you when you you did the song about jamal dying and seeing him everywhere that's what the song is about eyes closed every time everywhere you looked you saw him and then you, you broke down in tears mm. in the documentary and, and sang it on stage. And you were really like, oh, God, I can't believe I cried on stage. I can't believe my job is to entertain. I'm bringing all this grief. I was proud of you. 
I was like, man, Ed's not afraid to show that. And it was, to me, the most powerful moment in the documentary and made me love the song even more. Oh, that vulnerability, you. yeah. So I'm not really I a just, cryer, you know. I don't, I don't, I, before last year, I didn't really cry ever, you know. I'm, I, and I don't know. I just found there's something in songs. When you write songs, they belong to you. And then when you release them, they belong to everyone else. And they're, it's their stories and their connectivity. And you listen to Saltwater and you relate it to your dad. And, you know, right. no one listens to my song perfect and thinks of my wife. They think of the, the person that they, they love. And I think in that moment of playing the song, at that gig, it hadn't been released and it was still mine. And that's still my real life stuff that I was going through at that point. Whereas the song's out now and I, I feel like it's connecting with people and it belongs to them now, you know? Were you shocked that you started crying up on stage? I mean, did it take you by surprise? Mm, sort of. I, you know, I'm a bit better with it now, but like any time that I would talk about him, I would cry at that point. So like, I wasn't that shocked. Just, I was more like, why why am i doing it in front of 2000 people you know yeah it's a real personal song this this song eyes closed i, I would love for you to do it because yeah. you're thinking hey man this guy jamal i love you you were in love with him you mm. love this guy you love being around him he's he's your comfort zone and he's someone who believes in you and he's not asking anything of you i would imagine in your world now a lot of people are asking you for a lot of things and it's hard to know who to trust but jamal you knew could you could trust well he was someone also that like you know he not only didn't ask me for things but i i'd have to force things on him like he like he was a he was a music video director and he also had this platform and i had to go to him being like jamal please make this video for me and please put this on your channel and please do this like he was so like anti trying to get anything from me that i had to like wow. force him to take things from me you know like but yeah anyway yeah well this is about jamal your friend and beautiful song called eyes closed thank you i know it's a bad idea but how can i help myself been inside for most this year and i thought a few drinks they might help it's been a while my dear dealing with the cards life dealt I'm still holding back these tears Well, my friends are somewhere else I pictured this year a little bit different When it hit February A step in the bar, it hit me so hard How can it be this heavy? Every song reminds me you're gone And I feel the lump form in my throat Cause I'm here alone Just dancing with my eyes closed Cause everywhere I look I still see you Time is moving so slow And I don't know what else that I can do So I keep dancing with my eyes Eyes closed Eyes Oh, I keep dancing with my delusion is here again And I think you'll come home soon A word brings me right back in Then it's only me that's in this room I guess I could just pretend The colors are more than blue more than my friend I can't help but missing you I pictured this month a little bit different No one is ever ready And when it unfolds you get in the hole How can it be this heavy? Everything changes, nothing's the same Except the truth is now you're gone And life just goes on So I'm dancing with my eyes closed Cause everywhere I look I still see you And time is 
shutting the bar, they're cleaning the floor. Everyone is already home, but I'm on my own. Still dancing with my eyes closed. Cause everywhere I look, I still see you. And time is moving so slow. And I don't know what else that I can do. So I keep dancing with my Jesus had that's a beautiful song. Thank Ooh. you, man. Man, I mean, just a beautiful song. Thank what you. a tribute to Jamal. Just insane. And you know that line where you go, you're gone, and I, don't, I forget how you put it, but you're gone, and the world just goes on. Like, it's the world is going on. Like, nothing changed. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I found with the whole thing. You kind of want, when Jamal passed away, I wanted the world to stop like it did for the Queen. You know, when the Queen died, it was like the whole world stopped, and everyone went, right, let's remember the queen and i i felt with jamal there was like a, there was like a second where you know everyone that knew him paused but then life does inevitably go on people have jobs people have work people have families and there's like a set period of time that you feel like you're allowed to grieve and be sad and it's like right here's the time where you're allowed to be sad and then after a month or two you have to get get on with it and i don't feel even now that I want to, like, I, I want to be sad about him whenever I feel like being sad about him. And I want to remember him whenever I feel, I don't want to bury it or compartmentalize it. You know, it's something that yeah you don't want to, there's no, there's no set time on it. You're so right. It's like everyone's, even with this, I bet you people say, okay, Ed, get past it. Go on with your, you know, come on, man. Stop talking about Jamal. Let's go on to the next thing. Who the hell's supposed to know how you get past these things? But then also, I think that's disrespectful to, to someone's memory to just bury it and never talk about someone. Like, I love thinking about him and remember, because also, like, he wasn't, like, a super serious guy. He was really funny. Like, I love right. remembering all the, like, funny stuff and feeling happy about that. But it's just about, I think grief is just something you live with and your life builds around and you just have to allow yourself to feel whenever you feel and not be like, oh, I'm not allowed to feel like that anymore you, you whatever you feel is allowed you know it's not it's not like it can be wrong if you feel it when you play that song now like even just now did you have to block him out when you sang it because otherwise you probably start crying again do you in other words do you have to go in your head to another place and just sing the song totally yeah totally and i think it helps when the song's actually out and it's in this the global sphere and i've had so many people share that's the other thing about about this album man that's like quite heavy is like the gigs that i've done for it i sort of finished the gig i, I did the king's theater in 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 brooklyn and i played with um aaron Dessner and this whole like beautiful band and when the gig finished i just emotionally broke down i cried i was like speaking to aaron about it afterwards and then i sort of calmed down and then i went to the after party and then everyone there who had lost someone came up to me and then was talking to me about the person they'd lost and how the album had allowed them to feel and blah, blah, blah. And it's great that people were connecting to it and sharing it, but it's really heavy to like, it's really, it's really heavy. So when I'm playing that, I am thinking of other people and it connecting and it's more of a, you can sort of tone down your own inner emotion, I think. 
that's an amazing process, actually. It's something I don't even really fully understand. But wow, it, that that's a heavy thought. You know, you know, in the documentary, right after you did that song and you started singing a cappella, "Amazing Grace." Yeah. Boy, is that powerful! I mean, I, I mean, I so badly want you to do that. You just sing it without a guitar. You just go right into it. Yeah. Well, I. I, I I sort of end end the shows uh, playing this this Irish folk song. Uh, that's, I mean, I can sing it. I can I can sing it now if you want. Yeah, um, I love it. But it's um, um, it's more of a like it's like a passing song, and then after that, I w- went into Amazing Grace because that's what um, was sung at Jamal's funeral. But it's more of a it's more of a like lament to say goodbye in general. But um, of all the money. That I ride I spent it in good company And all the harm That I done Alas, it was to none but me And all I've done For want of wit to memory now I can't recall So fill to me the parting glass Good night and joy be with you all And of all the comrades that are They are sorry for my going away and all the sweethearts that I had They would wish me one more day to stay But since it falls unto my Lord That I should rise and you should not I'll gently rise and I'll softly call Good night and joy be with you all Under man me drink and not be drunk A man may fight and not be slain A man may court a pretty girl And perhaps be welcome back again but since it has so what to be By a time to rise and a time to fall Come fill to me the parting glass Good night and joy be with you all And come fill to me the parting glass Good night and joy be with you all And amazing grace How sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me And I once was lost but now I'm found 
was blind, but now I see. But yeah, it was kind of like fusing both. Like I grew up in Irish culture, so the sort of like closing song of anything would be the parting glass and being at that that funeral i mean it's it's so powerful like um jamal's mum's a, a a singer and a performer and seeing her and her her aunt like through real pain just bring music into it and having you we're all sit standing by this this gravesite and everyone singing amazing grace together it was wow. like it was really powerful i can't describe the emotion you just brought out in me when you do that, it is so powerful, and I know the whole audience is thinking the same thing. Holy fuck, if I loved Ed Sheeran before, I love him even more. And I think it's this vulnerability that you opened up, and uh, unfortunately had to come about uh, with all the tragedy that, you, that you're feeling in your life. But there's a maturity to this that is very, very powerful. And you know what I was thinking? I can't imagine looking at the Ed Sheeran today who these guys were that passed on you from these record companies it's really weird it's like really hard to imagine they didn't see the talent in you all i'm these, sort of looking back at it I, like yeah. i don't i don't actually find it that weird at all i think that it it makes sense today because i've had 12 years of success but like at the time like i rapped i beatboxed i used a loop pedal i was you know i'm i'm not a conventionally attractive human being i was quite fat i had long ginger hair i didn't dress well like that is not a package that someone can look at and go we can market that but i feel like like life and the industry has moved on to a point where uh, there's everything's basically marketable now and the more authentic you are to yourself the more marketable it is weirdly because like you that there's already when i was trying to get signed like james blunt was massive uh paolo nutini was massive james morrison was massive and everyone was like we need the next james blunt we need the next paolo nutini we need the next james morrison and really like if you're signing a carbon copy of the thing that's big at the moment it's only going to be a fraction of the size so like finding new things that are authentic it's kind of like lewis capaldi lewis capaldi lives in his own sphere like he is a uh he's a he's an individual artist he looks a certain way he talks a certain way he sings a certain way and people then are like i'm a fan of lewis capaldi it's not necessarily the genre of singer songwriter although he does fit into that and i'm the same thing i'm kind of like i exist in my own thing where people be like this is what ed does and you know like it or hate it people can be like this is specifically what he does i guess that's what i was thinking too when you were just playing singer songwriter how fucking great is it that you can sing your own songs? Yeah. You know, you think about guys who write music and they just don't have that ability. They don't have that gift to be able to sing. I mean, that's something you're born with, right? You could always sing. Uh, no, no. I no? Re like, honestly, man. Really? I, I, yeah. I, I, I w have you got, have you got YouTube? Can you, I, I can pull up a video of a song that I wrote when I was 14. Sure, if you we can, can get it. So if yeah, you type in Ed Sheeran addicted. And this is a song that I made when I was 14 and you can listen to it and be, if you skip in like 20 seconds or whatever and you can hear. I want to hear that. I didn't have talent. I really didn't. <laughs> and I had to, I, and this is me, that, this is me at 14 singing this and I got successful at 19. So you can I'm imagine. So, I'm so glad you're, okay, can someone pull that up for me? Ed Sheeran uh, addicted. Ed, Ed Sheeran addicted. And, yeah. And, just, and then you uh, skip to like 20 seconds because I, I, I thought I was a virtuoso guitar player and there's a long guitar intro. Because this is, you know, this... Oh, here we go. 
And I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> Let me hear a little more. <laughs> this is great. I love that you... So you're telling me you perfected this because I hear you sing and I go, well, he just can sing. Did you take less? I mean, because this is no, not... Just... When did you had it? When did you realize? Well, no, I can we sing. Can do, we I can mean, definitely sing. Oh, no. right, you can you can kill that. Ed's gonna. Kill. This is what I play to kids. Like when when ki like because everyone just assumes everyone's born with like natural talent. And I'm like, look, this is me at 14. I wrote the A team at 18. So four years later, I made the A team and I recorded it. And in four years, I learned harmony. I learned how to sing in tune. I learned how to perform. I learned how to do in time. And you can do it. And it, the best Was it thing from. But was it from going out and performing that you learned that, or did yeah, someone failing time and time failing. after again? Yeah, like I, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll agree with me with this. You learn nothing from success, nothing. You learn everything from the failures, and this is the thing that uh, annoys me about the um, the state that the world is in at the moment. Is no one talks about failure anymore? It's like shame. Like failure is shame, and it's like, oh, let's just bury that and not talk about. It. No one goes. Oh, what do we learn from this? Whereas with success, everyone shouts about it, but there's nothing in success. Success happens from failing hundreds of times and falling this flat is, on your face. This is such a great message, and people don't believe it. I truly believe now, especially with that demonstration you just gave us of you at 14, <laughs> I truly believe that if you work hard enough at something, I don't care what it is. That you can really become an expert. You can become great. But you don't, it doesn't just happen overnight. You have to be no. rubbish and you have to have people laugh at you and you have to have people go, Oh, go on, get a real job. No, this isn't really going to work. You have to, and you just have to have belief that eventually it is going to get better. Cause I'm Where sure, Howard, when you, you first started out, everyone was like, come on, man. When's people, this dream going to die? You know, people told me you are horrible on the air. You will never succeed. My uncle said to me, when are you going to get a real job? You're going to be fucked. You're not going to make any money. <laughs> and I mean, it was like everybody, but where I don't even know how to answer the question I'm going to ask you. Where the hell does that belief in yourself come from? Because like you said, you were the, this kid. You weren't particularly looking like a rock star. You were the, you were chubby or whatever. You, you know, and and probably inside you still feel like the chubby kid. Yeah, totally. You know, um, yeah. I think the belief comes from, and I'm sure you feel the same way as well. Of like, what else are you going to do? I love playing music. I love writing songs. I love performing. And I'm like, I can't do anything else. This is this is all I love to do. And I early on when I was like 17, 18, I remember I played a wedding. And I played covers for two hours. And at the end of the wedding, I got given £200, which was like the month's rent. I was like, oh my God, I can get paid singing songs. And th in that realization, I was like, whatever happens, I know I'm good. Like, I'll be able to make some form of a living doing music. It might not be singing my songs. It might not be performing my songs. But I know that somewhere in music, I'll be able to make a living. And that was the gig when you realized I'm good enough to make a make this uh, job. No, that was the gig where I realized you could get paid. Like I was right because I would just always play gigs for free and do covers or what 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 whatever. And as soon as I got that, I was like, if I did say I did three of these a month, I'm good. Like that, that's right. me. Like so, so that's what sort of spurred me on being like, I don't know what else I'm going to do, and also in like in radio as well howard like you, you you don't have to be the biggest 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 to make a living there's loads no. of uh, radio dj so you could actually make a living doing radio it's just a smaller living you know
Ed, I swear to you, I was a disc jockey making $250 a week. I got two, I got, I went from $96 a week to $250 a week. And I said, that's it. I'm done. I may, I've made it. I, yeah. I can get paid. I, okay. I'm not going to live great, but I can at least do this thing being on the radio. Totally. And, and what, and what else were you going to do? Like, this is the thing that I say to kids as well when they, when I, when they want to get into music. I'm like, don't have a plan B. Because if you have a plan B, when it gets difficult, you'll quit and you'll do the plan B. If you only have plan A, you will succeed because you'll just be like, I have to do it. So it's going to happen. When you were judging American Idol, I watched you. I was thinking, I wonder what Ed's really thinking. There's no upside to being honest with these kids, right? I mean, th there's none. It's very difficult being on a show like that at that point where everyone is brilliant. And just like, I didn't, I couldn't think of anything critical. I was like, you're all great. We're in the final eight. Obviously, you're like eight of the best singers in the country at the the moment. But they were, yeah. they were all good. The kids were all good. But I was thinking to myself, you still got to be. You got to have songs. That's the point. It's but I great. said to I said to all of them because <clears throat> I met them before. I was like, look, how many people have come off these talent shows and come like fourth or eighth or twelfth and actually made really decent careers? So don't focus on winning. If you win, great. You get like a launch pad that the other guys don't get. But when you get off this, go to Nashville, write songs, do the yes. do the thing. Like just start working. Like use this as a launch pad. Like you're on national television every single week. That's a great start. You know, it's not a, this isn't the end of your career. It's the, the, the start of it. And you don't have, you don't have to win these things. I was on a talent show when I was 16 and it wasn't like, it wasn't like a music show. It was a, it was a, they were doing, um, it's actually quite embarrassing talking about it, but they were doing a English version of high school musical sort of thing. And I auditioned for it and you had to be a triple threat, which is singing, acting and dancing. And I could only sing really. Uh, and so there's this clip that people pull up, uh, a lot of me doing the dance and it is like, you know, it's something that will live with me for the rest of my life. But, uh, but I got down to the final 10 of that and I didn't get in. And I remember at the time, because it's TV, everyone builds it up, all the producers, like, what do you think? This is, you know, this is the be-all and end-all, and this is your career. And I walked off that being like, man, like, I've really fucked it here. Like, I, I, <laughs> why did I, why did I do that? And it, I, that was kind of the moment I was like, well, I should probably just sing then. Like, if, if I, I can't act, I can't dance. Like, I should stop trying to do musical theatre and I should just sing. You see, you're unusual because you're, I feel like with a lot of these kids with American Idol, it was interesting watching you on there because I feel a lot of the... I'll go on this talent show, and if it doesn't work out, well, then maybe I'll try something else. But they're not committed to it. It's like, who gives a fuck? I'm Like some of those kids, I wanted to say to them, go get, join a band. You'd be a great front man. Like, you've got a good voice, dude. Go go write songs with somebody. Like, this is, this is did, the I, easy part. I did feel like that with with some of them that they had the tenacity in them that they were like right this is it i'm going for it after this i did i did get that sense yeah yeah it's weird did you have a negative reaction to seeing king charles on there that day i, I felt like you were like anti not not anti-monarchy but like kind of like i think the monarchy's antiquated i really do um i'm um, not you know i'm very pr i'm very proud to be to be british i'm half i well, my dad is half irish so i've got quarter irish in me but like i, I the, my irish culture uh, in my family is like prevalent and that was you know what i was sad about not going to my my grandmother so i've sort of got like a little bit on both sides but you know i like i have a an mbe like i went to the palace king charles gave me this mbe so i like what it stands for um in terms of like pride in in britain but yeah it's like 
there's some things I disagree with, and I don't want to like put myself <laughs> out that you know. British press the British press, but there's some things that I disagree with and some things I do agree with, and I, I don't think you have to be a rocket science to realize w which ones are which. Ed, the, the uh, thing I wanted to say to you is I wanted to understand the timeline with this new album. Uh, you, when, when you lost your mom, did, uh, was this during Cherry's cancer? Was this, uh, did this happen after Cherry had the cancer and she was okay? I didn't understand the timeline all that well, but you went through a lot. Yeah, it was, ba Cherry was, uh, February the 10th, we found out, and then Jamal died February the 20th, and then the court case oh started March the 1st, and then wow, Shane, so Shane died March the 4th. That's like a, that's, that's over, that's a, a tsunami of, uh, craziness in your life. Yeah. And, the, and, and, and Cherry's okay now. In other words, Cherry's uh, fine. She had, she had the operation. Um, and I guess the best thing about it is she's just going to have regular checkups now for the rest of her life. So wh whatever happens, there's always going to be someone keeping tabs. And this is going to sound like a weird question, but I had this happen, uh, with an aunt of mine. Did you guys use, and maybe it's too personal for this, you can tell me to fuck off. But it, it, did you guys use any kind of fertility drugs or anything like that when Cherry got pregnant? Did Cherry no. go through? She didn't. Okay. No. I had an aunt who died, and she went through all that. But this was 100 years ago, though. But, like, I always think that some of these chemicals and stuff that they put in to make, to get people pregnant. So I was like, maybe that's what happened. Yeah. But, but the scary part is when your wife gets cancer and she's pregnant, and now you're like, fuck, I've got... Yeah, and it's like, what do you what do you do in that scenario? Because you can't you can't just go and fix it because you have to wait for. We we just had lots of conversations about what the steps were, and um, it's weird. Like I I kind of like I made the documentary to like not talk about it, but now obviously the documentary is out and people are interested, so I do find myself talking about it. But it's just it was just a scary time, and the thing that got me the most was like being in court and like having the you know sort of getting battered uh by words but then having the other side sort of be like we're, we're having a really hard time and this is what's happening in our life and and like that was when you kind of realize no one actually knows what anyone's going through everyone would look at me in that moment and be, and be like you're fine man you got you got and really in my head i'm like this month is fucked and I don't know how I'm, how I'm gonna get through this month but everyone had just had the assumption so my thing going in life now is whatever room I'm in, I'm like, I just assume that everyone has something in their life that is very challenging at that time and not to, not to make any assumptions. I don't know. You got a, you got a lot of things piled on you at once. Court yeah. case, friends dying, wife has cancer, baby on the way. I yeah. mean, uh, I remember, I feel like the last time I met you, you were carefree. You know, it's like, it definitely uh, does strip away a bit of like, a carefree innocence jokiness like i'm um, i like i still like we'll have a good time but i find i'm i'm in my head a lot more now there's there's more like yeah i'm just i'm just in my head a lot when did you decide to do uh therapy you had a great quote something about like how in, in england if you're going to therapy they look at you like you're nuts but if you do it in america they congratulate you yeah. and, and i understand that a lot of the world doesn't you know go along with therapy but i'm a big advocate of therapy i'm still doing it and yeah, i'm mate, regular with it the reaction from my friends and family was really odd it was really like oh uh, okay uh yeah okay uh but now since I feel like since everything's come out, like I did a Rolling Stone interview and the documentary and blah, 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 everyone's a bit more understanding of it. 
Um, but no, were they was, openly critical? Like you went to friends and you said, "Hey, not, man, I'm doing openly, therapy." I wouldn't say critical. Shocked. I think a bit like, "Oh, okay, okay." Not like, "Why do you need to do that?" I think, I think there was just a bit. You in America, most people that I've met are in some formal form of it, whereas in England. It's quite swept under the rug. It's weird that a lot of people actually are, but no one really talks about it because it's seen as you, it, you're seen as having like real issues if you're going if you're going in. You're weak or it's embarrassing. It's, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Um, but I, yeah, the first day I went in was the day after Cherry had her operation, and I, you know, I'm like I think. I, well, I know that I was quite an unpleasant person to live with for the six months that followed Jamal's death and Cherry's diagnosis and the court case. Because I also then was setting up this tour and um, were you were you were you hard to be around in terms of Cherry? In other words, I think everyone. Were... I think everyone. I just don't. Think what did that... you do? Did you withdraw? No, I just don't. I just. Yeah, I think you're you. Th there's a certain amount of anger that you hold in yourself when stuff like that happens and I, ju I just don't think i was pleasant to be around and cherry just said to me one day she was like have you ever thought about having therapy and you know you know usually two years ago that probably would have insulted me i was like i don't need therapy but i was like yeah I pr actually i probably do because there's something in being i'm sort of like primary caregiver of like you know i employ a lot of people i uh l lend money and do this and pay for this and do that and i th feel like people see me as having everything figured out and when i sit down with anyone that i know and i'm like this is going on and i feel this it, the first thing is always like to deflect it with but man look healthy kids careers flying sold out stadium toy doing this and like in my mind with jamal dying or like even with the cherry thing like you know money doesn't fix that money doesn't buy back your dead friend it can't like money doesn't no. just fix illness like steve jobs was the richest man on earth and he died from cancer like it doesn't just fix things and when I'm talking to people a lot of the time, and I guess general public as well, would look at anyone wealthy, and this is such a taboo subject as well, because it, there is a like, well, I'd love to have what, what you have. and yeah, What right that, do you have to complain? Everything's perfect in your life. You've got money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I felt actually when Cherry said you need, you need therapy, um, that, I, that it was a good thing because you're talking to someone who can't throw that back at you. They, they're, they're actually like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about where this actually stems from and let's like unpack this. Um, did, did you trust the, uh, like when you, did you have a man or a, uh, a woman a therapist? Uh, I'm not going to say because the British press probably will like track them down or whatever. Oh, you think? Yeah, that would yeah. be horrible. But, <laughs> but I, I'm curious because, um, I don't know. I, I had father issues, so I went and got a man. Totally. I needed to, I had never talked to a man before that way. Yeah, I, I, what I found weird is like the first day going in there and sort of spilling your guts and then walking away being like, I don't even know that person. And I've just told them <laughs> things that I haven't even told my wife, you know, like, it's, right. it's mad. It's mad. Um, Did you spill your guts in a serious way or were you kind of like just talking? No, I vented for like an hour and then I left. And then the next week I vented for another hour and then I left and the next week I vented for another hour. And the week after that is when they uh, basically un unpacked it. Wow. Well, good for you, man.
I I think I had a when you came to my house that one time I think you and I talked about therapy. Yeah. And you were you were a lot younger then and, and you said to me, "Oh, you know, like kind of looking at me like I was crazy." And I was thinking, anybody with a career as big as Ed's should really be in therapy. But I was because, like 24 then, man. And when you're 24, yeah. like what actually have you gone through? Like what I think it's those I, I, and you could go through these heavy life things before 24, but I, I hadn't. I'd got out of school. I'd gone to London. I'd done gigs. I'd had hardship in some way there. And then I got successful. And then there's whatever the pitfalls of fames. And I was 24 at that point. Second album, riding on top of the world, just sold out my first stadiums. And I didn't feel, I felt lonely, but I felt like my way to cure loneliness was to just hang around with people more. Um, whereas like I, I think there's just more to unpack with, uh, in, I, I, yeah, I feel like Jamal's death really, uh, switched a switch that brought back feelings that I hadn't felt since I was like six, you know? Yeah, man, I, I can't imagine, but I mean, losing a guy like that, it's, it, it's almost like you don't think of that when you're your age that you're going to lose your best friend. But you it just does, don't. It does happen to, to everyone. And I mean, the thing yeah. that, the thing that I found with it is the, the sort of invisible barrier of grief falls with, um, friends and, and family and people that, I've had people in my family that have lost people really close to them and friends that have lost parents and, and, you know, they never talked to me about it at the time. I remember like my best friend, uh, had lost, um, their parent and, you know, I didn't speak to him for about six months. He just, he just disappeared and I was obviously processing it. And when Jamal passed away, he came round my house and, we had a long drink and he spoke to me about his feelings and I spoke to him about my, and it was sort of this like, okay, now, now you understand it. Now you get it. Now we can talk about it sort of thing. Does, does, does that make sense? Yeah. I was thinking the other thing too, that I, that I know that you do that I think is smart. You, you've described that there are people in your life. I'm talking about big stars like Taylor Swift, who you'll call from time to time or hang out with and you'll discuss because how many people can you talk about the pressures in your life, the pressures of writing songs, coming up with this kind of art that people respond to? I think that's good that you have her that you can call. Yeah, it's. It, it, I feel very fortunate in that respect because, you know, there's very few people that are going to understand where you're at. Um, Almost in, no one. Yeah, I mean, there's one guy in, in England called uh, Robbie Williams who's, like, huge outside of America that had a very similar career to trajectory to me, like in terms of like first album did this, played these venues, second album did this, played stadiums, third album did this, played bigger. And like, right. I speak to him a lot as well. Him, Taylor, I mean, Harry as well is in the same sort of, uh, thing and solo artists. I just think it's. Do it, you ever feel, but do you ever feel Ed, that like you're bothering them? Like, is it a weird thing to pick up the phone and say to Harry Styles, look, I, I just would love to talk to you about hey do you find this do you find that do you feel like you're bothering them or you feel like uh, i think it uh, depends on the day i re I, I really do because i feel like i have a lot of these conversations with artists who call me and speak about these things and if i'm feeling particularly melancholic and down then i'm there to share i guess but i don't know i'm uh yeah i don't know if i feel like i'm bothering them i guess sometimes Sometimes I'll just drop an email, like with, with, with Robbie, I watched the documentary of his on, um, TV with my wife and it really made me feel 
less alone. I, and I emailed him being like, I just watched your documentary and I just related to so much of it and it made me feel less alone. And then he emailed me straight back being like, ironically, that has made me feel less. And I think it's good just to be open and talk. Chris Martin does this amazing thing that I, I don't know if he knows that he's doing it, but, and I know he does it to, to, to other artists, but whenever he likes one of my songs, he sends me an email being like, I really like this song, man. And, and it's just that. And wow. he doesn't think that that's, he probably just goes, I like this song. I'm, I'm emailing him, but I grew up listening to him and he's one of my musical heroes. And I, I love him. I've based my sort of career trajectory and, and album things on what he's sort of done with Coldplay albums. And I just really love and respect him. And he doesn't know when he's emailing me, I'm like, Oh man, that's just made my day. It's like, I don't know. You must get it with when Steve Martin texts you and you're like, well, I remember the first time it happened to me. And, and it's like, what a loving thing to do. Um, I went on the tonight show, my first appearance on the tonight show at the time. And I, I didn't know I was crazy. Like I did some crazy shit and I was sitting in my house thinking, I just fucked up everything. And all of a sudden I get a call from Rodney Dangerfield. You remember Rodney? Mm. Well, Rodney's one of my heroes, comedy heroes. And he goes, Howard, I watched you. I knew exactly what you were doing. It was perfect. And I went, oh, my God. I suddenly, my, my world lit up. Steve, Steve Martin doesn't know. He wrote, he wrote me one little note yesterday about he was sitting in his car and he said, you're killing in the car. And that it, that's it. Made my whole day. And it doesn't take that much effort to do. You know, it's a, uh, but it makes such a massive difference just to have that little thing and uh yeah, yeah i try to do that whenever like elton sort of taught me this thing uh inadvertently that you know elton is constantly seeking out new talent and and being a mentor for them and being and i feel like i, I don't want to speak to for him but i feel like that has probably been a way over the years to always root for the next person and not ever feel like anyone's taking your spot you know you you're you're constantly like oh i, I love the new generation i, I know this guy and you're rooting for them by being mentor. And I found that early on in my career, I had my first um, spurt and everyone was like, Ed's the new guy. Let's all go for Ed. And then there was someone else that came along and then they became the new guy. And I found myself being like, right, I can either be bitter about this or I can make friends with them and be supportive. And then I will always love that they're having success and every single like sing male singer songwriter that has come out i've befriended and we're all cool and like not out of anything other than just like i really love seeing new talent come through but i feel there's no ounce of like i sort of feel like we're all running in a race and uh we'll all get to the finish line but you don't want to be tripping anyone up on the way you want to be like spurring people on that's so healthy, but it's hard to do in your business because it is like when Harry Styles comes out and all of a sudden he's on a roll. But I've known Harry for like, I, I worked with Harry on the first One Direction record. We used to live at, uh, this guy, Chris Leonard, um, had a, uh, a flat in Fulham. And I remember before I had money from my album, my album went number one and Harry had gone number one with What Makes You Beautiful that day, same day, and we were both staying at Chris's house. Like, this is, I, I've known him for, so his, his success is slightly different because I've always rooted for him, and I always, like, think that, I just think it's amazing going from the biggest boy band in the world and then going, rebuilding it, coming back with three amazing albums, winning album of the year at the Grammy, and then going back into stadiums. It's just, it's a really, really impressive journey. 
When you sit around, what you've described, there are nights that you've had where, like, you'll go to Taylor Swift's house and you guys will all sit and play music. Or yeah. maybe, I don't know, maybe this has happened with Harry Styles and stuff. Does anything ever come of that? Like, would, like, when you're, I don't know what the night is and who's there and you're all sitting around playing. Does any kind of collaboration ever come out of that kind of a session or is it just pure fun and then fuck it and then it's over? I think so, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I think so. It, it just, it kind of is just fun. The last time me and Harry did it was for, just, just before his Fine Line album came out, he came down to my house in Suffolk and we listened to it and drunk wine and caught up. And I think that with, with anyone, Harry, Elton, Taylor, uh, Eminem, like all of these people that I, emulate um or like relate to on a really really uh good level i i see them probably once every six months or once every year or whatever but when you when you catch up it's like really good you know it's not like someone like jamal or my friend nick like i'm speaking to them like every single day there's like and everyone has their own pockets of their people and then yeah there's people that you have in the industry that you work, you're, you're probably the same in, in, yeah, I guess you'd like hang out with, would you hang out with Steve Martin? Yeah, I've hung out with him and it's, it's mind blowing. But it wouldn't be I like mean, an everyday thing, would it? No. But, but when be. you do, it's amazing and you have these really deep conversations and, yeah. Yeah, I resisted, you're smart doing it the way you're doing it because I resisted knowing people in my industry for years. I thought it would be like some sort of weird uh, acceptance that I didn't want. I mm. wanted to be like this angry guy. And and one of the greatest joys has been getting to know Steve Martin because you sit with him and you realize how brilliant he is just having conversation. Yeah. There's so much to learn from a guy like that. Totally. You know? yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Now, there's, it, it, and, and, and also it like you can kind of, as I was saying before, you can kind of talk on a level of there's like you both enter into it with understanding of each other before you've even spoken to each other. Cause you get True. like me and you, when we've hung out that time at, at yours, like I was obviously very early on, on in my career, but we, I can relate to your first struggle of getting to be a, a, a radio DJ back in the day. And you can relate to me back in the day. It's like you sort of know that there's this underlying thing that both of you did very different, but both of you have done this thing to get where you are and you both have the same tenacity and drive as each other, I guess. Yeah. There's an understanding. Yeah. I mean, so much about, and by the way, you got to watch Ed's uh, new documentary. You got to hear all his new music. I mean, he's on a roll. It's uh, come out of a lot of pain, honestly, but uh, the music is just stunning. I was shocked in the documentary. I mean, there's so much to talk about. Uh, I didn't know that you were born with this birthmark on your face. Mm. And then they, by accident, they didn't give you anesthesia. And they literally hurt you so bad when they were trying to burn this thing off that it caused you to stutter. Yeah, I think it messed with my nervous system. Yeah, it fucked you up. And then this whole story of you, uh, being emotional about meeting Eminem because mm. you would, you would, you would, you would basically imitate Eminem and do his rapping. And that yeah, got you out of stuttering. It's Crazy. A, it's a funny one that because my, when I was nine, my, I was going through all sorts of speech therapy. And when I was nine, my uncle bought me the Marshall Mathers LP and like he just said to my dad this guy's the next bob dylan you got to let, let him listen my dad didn't really clock it you know he was just like okay edward's gonna go and listen to that and by learning that record and wrapping it back to back to back to back my, it cured my stutter and i stopped you know t -t 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 talking like that and 
Do you years. think it's the cadence? In other words, the cadence of Eminem going... It's kind of you stop thinking about, like, when I would put my hand up in school to answer a question, I would just go, uh, uh, and I couldn't answer because you're thinking too hard. But with I speak to actors all the time that, that have cured themselves from stutters, and it's when you learn lines and you just it just rolls off because you're not thinking about it. It's something that kind of happens naturally. But the funny thing with my dad was I then... Years later, I've, I've made songs with Eminem now, and we've we've got to know each other quite well. And he asked me to play stand with him at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and my dad was like, "I got to come to that. That's like an amazing full story thing." So I got my dad tickets, and we and we flew over. And on the flight over, he listened to the Marshall Mathers LP for the first time, and I just remember him taking his headphones out and being like, "He just said." Now he's raping his own mother, abusing a horse, snorting coke, and we gave him the Rolling Stone cover. And you listened to this when you were nine? <laughs> Where was I? Yeah, I remember that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You you inducted. Uh, yeah, this was his induction ceremony. Yeah. This is it. How emotional was this for you? I mean, hugely. I mean, he's like... It's different. It, I think it's kind of different with um, with with Eminem because he is quite reclusive and doesn't yeah. see or meet that many people. And I felt the first time that I met him, um, you know, I was super nervous beforehand. I got invited to a studio in Detroit, and I'm sort of sitting there being like, "Ooh, is he gonna be like? Is he standoffish? Is he?" The? And as soon as he walked in, we just started talking about like Marvel comics and stuff like that. I was like, oh, "Okay, we're cool. we're cool." And I, yeah, for me. He's just someone, he's very particular and very, like, everything is high, high, high quality. So I never wanted to be, like, I'm assuming anything. Like, if he asked me to go on stage with him, I'm definitely going on stage with him. And I, I remember getting the call for, to do it. And I was shooting, it was in the uh, documentary, I'm shooting 14 music videos back to back. And I get, yeah, the, I was crazy. I get the call, <laughs> do you want to go and do Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? And it was on, like, my day off from shooting the music videos. And I was like, I can't say no. I can't. So I got a plane straight after one music video, flew there, sung, and then that night flew back, and then, uh, and it was really he, worth it. Does he, I assume he knows the story now. They, he totally, cured you yeah. of stuttering. Yeah. Totally. I, I mean, I've known him now for, when did we first meet? 2017. So, um, yeah, six years, and we've done three songs together. I've played with him twice on stage, and he's, he's another person that I really, relate to in terms like because he also lives in his hometown still and he's right. got his own ecosystem around him you know all, all of his people live there all of his family and, and blah, blah blah so i kind of relate from that point of view and um yeah he uh he, he's i think i think again meeting people like him and talking to him on a level makes you feel less weird you know, I sometimes feel like a bit of a, a a zoo animal or an alien, just sort of like wherever, whatever happens in my life, it's always some, there's some, something that goes around. You speak to him and it's kind of the same thing. You know, he can't go and fill up his car without it being weird, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, that's amazing too. Did you ever meet Clapton? Yeah. Bunch of times actually. Yeah. Um, Eric actually played on, um, uh, Divide. He played on a, a song I, oh. I, I have called Dive, but he was, um, that's, I mean, that's an interesting story because I was watching the Queen's Jubilee when I was 11 and he came on and played the first, um, the, and I was like, whoa, what the hell is that? And then my dad's like, oh, that's, that's, that's Layla. And I, uh, got the Derek and the Dominoes album. I got the, the Eric Clapton greatest hits. I bought, uh, Eric Clapton unplugs and just learned all these songs. And then, uh, you never expect to meet 
anyone like that when you're young but when i started getting success there was like people that i knew that there was someone that worked at the management that was his 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 goddaughter so i knew that there was like an in there at some point and i bought the sort of replica guitar of what the guitar that he was playing at the um wow. queen's queen's jubilee uh that performance was this Collins on the drums. Do you know, another funny story, Howard, is is ten years to the day of that gig, I played the Jubilee. So, like, that's wow. that's another thing. A kid watching picks up a guitar and then ten years plays the same event. So that's a- another s- story. But anyway, on on the on the Eric thing, I played. Uh, there's this this guy that does this amazing music program in England called Jules Holland, and I played a Jules Holland show with that Eric Clapton guitar. And I remember waking up New Year's Day because it had um, aired New Year's Eve, and I got this email, and it just the title was just E, and uh, it just said nice guitar, and I was like, I think, I think that's Eric Clapton, and uh, yeah, we just got friends from there, and um, yeah, he's he's fantastic. So, so I love he his your... I love his family. So Clapton was one of your inspirations to even go into music. In other words, you're 11 years old, you're watching the Queen's Jubilee. Mm. And you see him play Layla, and then you pick up the guitar and you start to work out Layla on your guitar. Yeah, it was the first and only thing that I could play for a long time, and also the my first. Can you still ever play gig. it? Uh, Can you still play it? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not like the world's best guitar player, but. be guitar i'm not i'm viewed as like not a great guitarist there'll be guitar people around the world being like what's he doing murdering this song do you ever shred do you do you that's like right that's the one thing that i can't really i sort of made a choice when i was younger i was like if i want to be eric clapton or john mayer i learn all this shit and if i want to be damien rice i learn four chords and And damien rice uh for those of you who don't know there's he's doing his thing cannonball Right? Yeah, but that's but that's who I wanted to be. You know, I wanted to stand on stage with an acoustic guitar and sing my songs. Nice. I've never really wanted to be a, a shredder. I was in I was in bands when I was younger. We used to do like Sweet Child of Mine and Layla and and what the first first song I ever played live was was Layla. The first time I ever wow. played a gig, I, I I played Layla. Wow, what a fucking story you have in you. Anything you want to um, look the new album. I'm telling you, it's a killer album. It's a very emotional album. Ed's new album is called Subtract. It's available. We're done with all the math analogies, right? If we're done we with are, the, yeah. yeah, that's we, it. It's over. Yeah, I've got um, another five, which are symbols. Another five, but they aren't they, they aren't anything to do with maths. Another amazing thing I got to bring up that I learned in the documentary and in, in other places that I read. Uh, Ed also uh, had put together, like, spent ten years on this album, and then threw it all out. Because when his yeah. friend died and Cherry got uh, cancer and everything else, you just said, fuck it, I'm going to the studio. All the- Where is that 10 years worth of material now? So I kind of think I should probably put it out at some point and call it subtracted or something like that. But it's, yeah. you know, I, that I've sort, I overthought it for 10 years and I'll probably still overthink it now. Because uh, in my mind, I'm known as an acoustic singer-songwriter and it's sort of a bit foreign territory to do like, 
this pop song that's a dance pop song or this Afrobeat song with Firebird, like that, like th- those sort of things uh, p- where people go, oh, that doesn't necessarily fit. Whereas me as an acoustic singer songwriter is, that's my bread and butter. And I had overthought this album because I was like, I, it has to be perfect when I put it out because this is the thing that I'm good at. And is the, But Ed, is there a song you didn't put out? In other words, you had before, you were going to put it out. Is there a song that you didn't put out that you're sitting and going, shit, this is such a good song. It just didn't fit on this album. Uh, but it's a really good song and I should have, I, I got to put it out one day. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's a bunch. There's a bunch. I mean, with that record, again, it wasn't like this. It's like this one in terms of there wasn't like major, major, major pop singles on it. It was very much just emulating Damien Rice's O or David Gray's White Ladder and a bit more. But yeah, there's definitely songs on there. I think it will, it will, I put so much work into it that it'd be weird for it not to come out. But I, I don't even know where this record's landed yet. I'm just like, yeah. It's doing great. I mean, it's already, I think it just went to number one. Um, I think new it's, I, track. I, yeah. I think it's going to do that in, in, in England. I think in America, there's, yeah. No, they're saying in America, I think. I, that, that was the word I got this morning. Well, I saw an be, article. That would be great. That, that yeah. would be awesome. Uh, Ed's new album, Subtract, is available wherever music is sold. And Ed's documentary, Some of It All, is on Disney+. Plus. Um, is there a song? I'll, I'll leave you with this. Up to you. I don't know if you're burned out or not. You probably no, no, are. No, I'm good. Doing... I love it. Howard, I was saying in the uh, in the lift on the way up here that this, this is always my favorite interview. There's something, There's something in your interviewing approach that is it doesn't feel you're never trying to catch me out with with anything and you're not being disrespectful but i find myself opening up about so and i find it like i i i I listen to you a lot and all the guests that you have on they open up about things that they just wouldn't on other platforms because i feel like on other platforms they know it's going to be sensationalized and i feel like it's such a respectful atmosphere and audience every time like the amount of people whenever i'm in america the amount of people that come up to me and go love john howard like every single day it's just i don't know i feel very comfortable here and i feel like every other artist feels comfortable when they come up i'm so glad to hear that because really and i've said this and I, i've said this to um my audience i have such respect for what you do i hold musicians particularly singer songwriters in such high regard because I never got a charge or a spiritual feeling from religion. And I had a lot of religion growing up. I got it from songwriters, Mm. you know, people like George Harrison, when all things must pass came out, it blew my mind. I felt like, Oh my God, this is what they must talk about when you feel like a higher power. And I feel that with you, I feel, you know, and especially with this album, I think it really got into something that's connecting with people. And I respect what you do so much. So really, my whole goal in having you here today is to celebrate what you're doing. Thank you. Because I appreciate it very much. I really, I really appreciate you having me on, man, as well. And let me showcase the record. And yeah, music's music's mad, isn't it? Because I've, 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 I find this when I play these these you know, like especially in England playing soccer stadiums. When you're in the soccer stadium, you're like... Every other weekend, this place is, you know, divided. It's two sides and 
one side wants the other to lose and they want themselves to win and blah blah blah. But when you're there for a music concert, everyone is there for the same thing, and it's like the only thing on the planet that everyone can agree on is that we all like music. Like music is this thing that we, you know, music is subjective, and there's definitely tastes and people are into different things. But ev music just makes life better. It is just good. Ed, you want to leave it like that, or is there one song you want to play from the new record that maybe you feel is the best song on the record, or something that that, that speaks to people? Is there um, anything? Yeah, I was going to play a song um, called um, uh, "It Feels Weird Leaving It on This Note" because it's quite dark. But I guess the record is 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 that. But this is a song that I wrote about um, the feel the feeling of grief and it being feeling like your youth had been taken away from you, like the it's and with all of my friends who had lost people in their teenagers, like I feel f fortunate that I'm in my thirties and this has happened to me. And you kind of look at your mates who'd lost parents at like twelve or six or fourteen, and you go, "Wow!" Like that's when you became an adult, and that's when you had to deal with with this stuff. So this is a song called um, "End of Youth," um, which I think is, yeah, one of my favourites on the record. I've been depressed since you left Tried to fill the hole with wine Stop the drugs when she came Clean my act up overnight If you reach with no reply I'll see you when I see you, man You can't talk me through the fall If we don't know if I can land Tried to grow with the past It tears me down to size Tell the world how to process But don't take the same advice I remember what I say Then the morning's filled with fear Can't get a handle on my grief When every memory turns to tears It's been a long year we're not even halfway there Is this the ending of our youth When pain starts taking over I just don't know if I Can never just let it go Everything's falling apart When love is real There's never closure I guess it's all part of life But I can't help but feel alone We spend But pretend it's all alright All my ups led to falls That led to trying to end my life Just a boy at the start They lent on like a man You were meant to be my friend And not to take all that you can Disengage to create Try to reinvent the wheel No one knows what they want So I just give you what I feel If I slip and get high I know the low is always near When I'm down I never see you When I'm up you all appear It's been a long year And we're not even halfway there Is this the Taking over I just don't know if I Can never just let it go Everything's falling apart When love is real There's never closure I guess it's so part of life But I can't help but feel low We spend our youth With arms and hearts so wide open It's been a long year And we're not even halfway there Is this the ending of our youth When pain starts taking over I just don't know if 